Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me for the first time in a couple of weeks is Jenny. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and sitting uh, in her office, uh, 111 miles to our southwest, it is Megan. Hello. I didn't get the memo to wear blue today. I'm seeing oh, you guys. Hey, I'm not Everybody's you, blue. You're wearing um, an AEW shirt. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm my best friend shirt. Cool. Oh, yeah. So that's talking with my best friend. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and you know what best friends really love to talk about? The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. That's right. Well, this week, I've got, um, I am continuing down my White Claw Surf variety. And, um... The one I have this week is uh, Wildberry Acai. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I have actually had it before, and it's very refreshing. Oh. I like this surf variety of the White Claws. Just not opening it. <laughs> there you go. I heard that uh, when Jenny visited you this weekend, Megan, that she left a, an assortment of, of discarded... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, hard seltzers. She did. She's literally like, these are all the flavors in the variety packs I've tried that I don't like, so you can have them. And I was like, okay. Um, and I will say, I tried one of them, the Truly, and I thought, it's just a straight up lime. It's going to be great. It had a funny taste. I didn't it like did. it. It was awful. <laughs> no, but, yeah. Um, You know, I, I, I didn't know. You know, everyone has different tastes, I thought. They're free. She can open it up and try it. She doesn't admit, like it, she can dump it. I admit, I was like, score, Jenny hates this, I win. And then I tried the very normal flavor of lime and was like, uh-oh, these other cans are probably going to be just straight trash. Yeah. Uh, note to our listeners, never get the truly margarita-style pack. Because I, so, it came in a pack of 12. Oh, I did not get, like, so many cans. I, I, I... <laughs> kind of was thinking about bringing them all down and then I was like, but that's not unfair to just dump them all on Megan if she doesn't like them. <laughs> hey, Here, I'm willing to throw try. these out. <laughs> yeah, I brought you some trash. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm willing to try them. And you know what? If I had liked them, I would have been like, Jenny, you got any more left that you don't want to yeah. throw out? I'll take them. Uh, I haven't, and to be fair, I have not tried the other flavors, but the fact that the lime went badly means that I don't know how much I trust yeah. the more complicated flavor combinations that they've put <laughs> together. Yep. Um, I had the same thing. I tried the lime first and then I did, I did try the other three flavors. Um, okay. I didn't make it through the full can of any of the four flavors. This but is I a very try. good advertisement for truly. <laughs> but that I, I did go, I, that I just brought you down one of each of the flavors. And then I was like, well, if she likes them, the next time she comes up, they will be waiting for her. Or I will try and pawn them off on some other neighbor or person who comes to our house. Okay, well, I'll text you and keep you posted. But, yeah, so Thank far, you. not good. But what about the cut water, unless that's what you're doing tonight? I'm not doing cut water tonight. I thought about it, and then I was like, that is boozy as hell. And I don't know that I need to, like, pound one of those for the podcast. But I like the cut water. I feel like that's like drinking a margarita out of a can. Too strong, didn't drink. I am the one who likes the. That's very good. See, you're you're the scaredy, and I'm the brave one in this context. So, <laughs> I like drinking it. Okay, 
uh, for my pop, I actually I have two cracks tonight. I've I'll bring the other one in after a while when I finish this. Ours have been sitting out too long. We can't get them out of our brewmates. Yeah. I was having the same thing. It's all sweated in there. I've got a uh, Zipper Ripper Double IPA from Hoofhearted Brewing uh, Brewing uh, out of uh, Ohio. That's a cool little can. It's big too. It is big, and it is eight and a half percent. So that's well, nothing on cut water. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this would be though. interesting. Uh, I I'm not much of an IPA guy, let alone double IPA. So we will see. I didn't. I did not purchase these. These were left here by a, another guest. But uh, we'll see. All right. Oh, good crack. We have so many different types of beer in our fridge now. Because Andy had his bro in down over the weekend when I was down with you in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are there's a wide variety of beers to choose from. Do you like it? I like it. You want to try it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like IPAs. Do you, do you like, like 8% like IPAs? Dippers? I do. And then you don't realize how um, drunk you are. Yep. Oh, I like the smell of that. Oh, that's nice. It's like almost creamy. Yeah, there's another one in the fridge mm-hmm. outside. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't congrats. Drink, yeah. I don't drink beer very often, but um, I do like a good beer. All right, Megan. What do you have? All right. I'm going wine and keeping in theme with the best friends and leaving drinks at people's houses. This was an intentional gift from Jenny. It's Kirkland <laughs> brand Old Vines Infidel. And I'm excited to find out. You, you've been touting how great Kirkland is, and I'm ready to like experience it for myself. So I've it's a red wine, a Zinfandel. I'm sure it's going to be delicious, um, and I'm excited to to try it. So here we go. We'll try to make a sound out of this cork. I I got to be honest, Megan. I'm shocked that that was a cork and not a screw top. <laughs> it definitely like shot wine at me. <laughs> Was it one of those fake corks? No, but it was just like, let me bring some wine out with me. It's a real cork. It says Kirkland on it, and it's made of cork. So, I mean, it smells good, but, you know, you you well, guys have fine taste, so I trust the recommendation. I, I quite like their Kirkland champagne, and it's a pretty damn fucking good deal. Um, and we had one of their red varieties. I can't remember which one we tried. We tried the... Cab. Renee, I thought, yeah. we thought it was okay. Yeah. So hopefully this will be okay. Yeah. I like a Zinfandel. I think you like a Zinfandel. I'm sure Hell this yeah. is no Bella quality Zinfandel. <laughs> Whatever. This is probably one that I can afford to drink on a, you know, regular basis without going broke. No offense, Bella, but you're expensive. I think that bottle was $9.99. Oh, hell yeah. I love yeah. it. You want to taste it? Yeah. Yeah. Mmm, that's good. That's like, right. a, I don't know the word because I'm not, I like wine, but I'm not good at describing it. But I want to say like chewy, but not in a bad way, you know? <sighs> that's we'll how see. Niles describes wine in Fraser. Oh, maybe that's where I got it. Okay, I'm going to go with I, that. I, I saw a, um, like a serving spoon set on Etsy yesterday uh, that are like Fraser themed. And oh one of them, God. one of them, uh, has like a picture of Niles, and it says, "Hail to the cork master, the master of the cork on it." Yes. <laughs> he gets That's the a lot put on a spoon. Yeah, yeah. 
I love I'll it. <laughs> well, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Um, okay. Let's get into things. Uh, not a lot of news to talk of this week. Oh, Jenny looks like she's... Huh? Oh, okay. You just spaced out. All right. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Not a that's lot fine. of news. Oh, no. Yeah. I was just really... My, my white claw tastes very nice, but I uh, I zoned out. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, in AEW news for the week, uh, the big thing is that Jim Ross has signed a new contract to remain part of the AEW broadcast team. On an episode of his Grilling JR podcast, he announced he signed an extension not too long ago. He estimated that the length of the contract extension is for about a year and a half. I thought that he signed something um, in the fall and that he was going to transition off of announcing. Did that never come to fruition? I don't know. Here's what he said. I don't think we've made this announcement, but I signed an extension with AEW not too long ago. I appreciate Tony Khan's confidence and his willingness to keep me on the team and contribute. We're not going a long time, but I think I signed for about a year and a half or something like that to stay in the position I'm in. I'm just really pleased that at 70, I still have a future, and at 70, I'm still loving what I do. Well, that's good that's for him. Nice. Which, I, I this, wish at 37, I was loving what I did. <laughs> and this makes sense because uh, this is, we're getting into double or nothing time. And that was when he started with the company three years ago. Mm. So this that that makes sense. Okay. So like, so like that, the next round of deals is probably going to be up in the next couple of weeks because all the first round of deals from like January of 2019 came up then, mm-hmm. and, and now we've got the next round for when they started hiring up for double or nothing. And then we'll probably have the third round in October. Uh, yeah, because they yeah they probably yeah they or September October when they started expanded the, the roster some more yeah. You know? I'm glad he he seems happy. I do think he's gotten a little surly about um, how the internet apparently is giving him feedback. <laughs> See, he complained about it or like just made little passive aggressive remarks at least twice on this show on Dynamite about it, like, oh, you say something wrong, and then, you know, and it's like, Jr., you've said some wild shit. Okay, he really has, and <laughs> like, he clearly doesn't listen to this podcast, or he would have been complaining years ago. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's gotten better, like not obviously not fully, you know, nobody's perfect, but I think he's clearly been making attempts. And I just think it's funny that he he's like so old that he doesn't know the correct terms or phrases to say sometimes, but he does apparently know how to get on Twitter <laughs> and get that feedback from the young, younger crowd there to be like, hey, why'd you say this? Uh, do you remember, Megan, last week when we talked briefly about how there's the report that uh, Tony, or it actually wasn't a report, Tony Khan just said it on a radio interview. He said that he had created a trio's championships and he had them for a while and he said he had other belts up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a report from Voices of Wrestling a couple days ago, uh, which in part... Uh, stated, we've learned that two of those additional title belts up Tony's sleeve will be awarded to the winners of the Men's and Women's Owen Hart Foundation tournament at Double or Nothing. The belts are said to have a black and pink Owen Hart theme with one pink belt and one black belt. But it's not something that you would be able to, like, win. Like, it's just like a trophy, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, because there's, there's enough, like, we don't need an Owen Hart championship 
belt that like people can start like fighting for. Like I understand that your battle of the belts isn't doing well, but like we already have fake belts in this company. We don't need like additional fake belts. Yeah. Um, their report also had a little news tidbit. Uh, a source from the AEW locker room tells us that MJF is hardly the only talent feeling some level of discontent. Describing the backstage atmosphere as chaotic with a lack of structure with common complaints ranging from not knowing angles of or finishes until close to showtime and things like redundant finishes and angles to set up matches being very frustrating. Mm. Well, I mean, it's hard when your person who's in control is always hopped up on the white claw. And oh, also this... has three full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah. This is classic, like startup bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he better I do, I do, figure I do it out. Sometimes I do sometimes think like, like, I think Tony Khan does a good job. I think he really cares about the product. And I like the product. But what if he just stopped fucking around with the football teams? Like, yeah. like, like, look, how much better could AEW be? Both of them. Like, as far as, like, the details go, you know? Yeah, he needs to be fully... I mean, because now he has three, like, wrestling show. I mean, two different companies, but three, like, programs. Oh, that's true, yeah. And as, in addition to both... The fo- both American and um, Premier Premier football. Yeah, like he needs to he needs to focus a little bit more, or like delegate. Like I don't think he's going to, but like yeah. But if you're good, you could delegate to the sports where like there are actual unplanned outcomes, and then focus your attention on the one where you have to plan stories and stuff. Right? It seems like like you could outsource actual football. Uh, I don't know, coaching. I don't actually know what he's like in charge of with those he's teams. In but the statistical stuff. I don't. Is he still doing that though? Like, I know he still posts about it, but is he I still so. like okay? I think. I, mean, I, think I would have thought he would have stepped away from that because he was like in charge of the statistical stuff for both of the teams. Yeah, I think he's still doing that. Um, I, I I I did hear that he's upset about this report that came out. Which oh, do suggests not do to me that. that it's probably true. Mm, yep, do not do that <laughs> horrible response where you then hunt down the people who said stuff and uh, now, punish the them. Is, the good news is he did not. He did not uh, tweet about it. Oh, somebody Mega got Mega a hold of this phone. Got his phone. Mega <laughs> like, intercepted the phone before the six white claws had been well, consumed. The, I think. I think the lucky thing is this wasn't something that was reported on Twitter. This was behind the Voices of Wrestling Patreon paywall. So it didn't it didn't kind of come out in the same way that he one hundred percent is behind that paywall though. There's well, he, no way he's not part well, of that. I know. I know. He I mean I know he talks to those guys actually. Yeah. So maybe not anymore. But uh, <laughs> you got to respect journalism, man. Like you can't you can't be like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if if you have a problem with it, then fix fix your shit. And we'll see what happens. Then people won't report on it. <laughs> They're, they're recording their weekly show tonight. I'm interested to see if they talk about uh, that story or at all. I, I am fascinated because I do think like AEW, they came onto the scene and people were like, yes, an alternative. Yes, a place where people like let us have input and it seems really fun. And it's following the typical, I think, arch or arc of like, it's really great when you first start. And then all of a sudden... Like, like when you first start, it's like, yeah, we're family and that's a good thing. And then it turns into, yeah, we're family as a way to like, maybe not give you (laughs) benefits and the pay level that you deserve. And I know that they're contractors and they have, you know, set terms on their contracts, but 
I do, I did wonder when that tipping point would hit where like, no, actually you're just a big corporation and, and you know, it's not going to be all rainbows and sunshine. And I just hope that it didn't tip too far in the wrong direction, you know, like nowhere's perfect, but also please do better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, recognize here the feedback absorb it and then make changes to improve <laughs> or do tony's flowchart hear the feedback pound at least six white claws <laughs> see if you're still mad if so pound more <laughs> then twitter <laughs> i i mean i would like i think it's just that like that honeymoon phase like i mean megan you have like specific um you've been through that with like a startup and like that arc and everything but i, I was would just part say, of the like, family yeah until like you were like i would just like to be paid <laughs> i don't need a fucking ping pong table i just want to go home <laughs> i don't care that you have a kegerator here i would like to go home <laughs> Yes, there are lots of benefits and perks in this cycle and type of setup where it's like they're doing something nice for you, but in reality, they're just giving you less and less reason to need to leave the workspace, and then you just lose track of how much work you're doing when you're definitely not averaging out a good pay rate if you do it by the hour. I don't I don't think that's what's happening with AEW. Um, no, I'm just... It's, I was it's kind just, of a different kind of thing. I was just having like flashbacks okay and like, sorry <laughs> like weird like like i am definitely taking my experience and overlaying it on this but i also think that 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 helped me my helps probably not the right word but like i don't know i guess i'm not surprised by this because i've seen it happen mm-hmm. and it's kind of just like i hope they don't that people don't come become disgruntled and i hope it doesn't devolve into like an actual bad place to work but this is the point where if people are starting to complain the good way to go is to address things and make changes while you still can. Otherwise, you're going to lose the appeal. You know, people yeah. won't suddenly be like, well, I can just go to AEW. It might be like, WWE Part 2, no thanks. Yeah. Well, I think as, like, the viewer, I mean, I was so excited about the product at the beginning, and it felt so different. And as a viewer, like, it's definitely, like, leveled out to, like, all right, this is, like, a wrestling corporation. Like, like I, I think at a certain point, like, you feel like everything's, like, different and new and exciting, and then it's, like, oh, okay, we're starting to kind of, like... You went from, like, some, like the, the scrappy upstarts to, like, oh, no, there's a corporate entity behind this, so... You stopped liking the show about when Tony took the creative reins back. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been about two and a half years since you enjoyed AEW. Yeah, I mean, like, fully. Like, <laughs> I still like parts of it, uh-huh. but, like, I was super excited about it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had loved, like, all the BTE stuff, and it felt like kind of, like, a little bit of that. I feel like BTEs, I've, I've stopped watching that as well, because that, like, got all... But I, I don't know, I just liked when things felt, like, I don't know, a little bit more homegrown and, like, real and less, like the same thing over and over. All right. Yeah, they don't have to, it doesn't have to be bad. It's just maybe the shine has come off it a little, you know, and that's okay. That happens, but adjust and and hopefully make it so it's not terrible. All right. A story to watch. Uh, Let's talk ratings. Uh, Friday afternoons edition of AEW Rampage 
from last week averaged 340,000 viewers, up up 16% from the previous week. Uh, In the 18 to 49, it drew a 0.12, up 9% from the previous week, finishing 30th on the cable charts, um, which I think is, I think it was like 50th the week before. So that is markedly better. Yeah, it's above the 300,000 floor that I set for just like my own scale of uh oh you know so that's good yeah and let's see uh last night's dynamite wild card wednesday uh averaged nine hundred twenty-two thousand viewers on tbs up 9.8 percent from last week and it is the largest audience for the show since april 20th in the 18 to 49 dynamite drew the same 0.33 rating as it did last week but I would call this a win because there was uh, an NHL game, an NHL playoff game that aired against it that did a 0.56 rating, and an NBA game that drew a 2.2 in the key demo. <laughs> How wow. is it Which like is the bad about team? seven times the rating of uh, Dynamite. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Why are people so into these NBA games? It's the playoffs. Playoffs? It hasn't been the playoffs for like a month already? Well, yeah, but the longer you go in the playoffs, the bigger the ratings get. Because How long the more... are the playoffs? Forever. Uh, Basketball just think, goes forever. I think they end around June 20th this year. What? We still have another month of playoffs? <laughs> yeah. And then what? Is there like two days and then they like, better start the season back up? No, NBA season starts in November, the beginning of November. Okay, it just feels like there's always basketball on television. Yeah, in well, some in some form. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but so there are two series going on right now in the NBA because it's the conference finals. There's four teams left. Once we get down to the finals, they might get lucky, and those games might not fall on Wednesdays. You know, so. I I don't understand how that works. Like, does does basketball like they they don't have a set day, even if you're down to only like four games or four teams? I don't think they I don't think they'll know the exact schedule for the finals until the conference finals ends because the conference finals can end in any anywhere between four and seven games. Oh, okay. I don't understand basketball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with I just, it. I don't feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, so that's the ratings. Uh, like I said, I think it's, I think that was a fine rating. Uh, all right, Rampage, the aforementioned Rampage that did a point one three. This is uh, still in Long Island. On sorry, on Long Island. We open with the Death Triangle versus the Butcher, the Blade, and Mark Quinn. Man, I thought this match like way over delivered what I was expecting out of the uh, out of the Andrade family office trio. <laughs> I, I agree. I but you know, you get like Mark Quinn in there, and then Death Triangle. Uh, sorry, Butchering the Blade. I just I don't care that much about you, but that's four out of six. Lots are good. I think Butcher and Blade have like become a really good tandem. To be quite honest. I just, I don't dislike them. I just don't really, like, when they're not on screen, they leave my mind. 
so this was just this is fun. This is just all action. Went about ten minutes. Uh, Death Triangle got the win. Uh, Lucha Bros hit the Fear Factor, and uh, I think on Quinn, and then uh, Pack hit the Black Arrow. Yeah, poor Mark Quinn. He had to eat that pin. Kyle O'Reilly was hanging out at ringside, you know, taking some notes on his opponent for Wednesday, Ray Phoenix. He looked so, so studious. Yep. The lights went out. The House of Black appeared. The lights went out. The House of Black disappeared. <laughs> it's almost like they blinked in, like they teleported incorrectly and were like, whoops, wrong location. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the House of Black anymore. I think they're not being used, especially since however they're being used is not on a show that's on television. (laughs) I think they're like a slightly more credible version of original recipe Dark Order. Well, the Dark Order did start out rough and then have an upswing. So maybe maybe they can get this figured out. Is Buddy Matthews going to turn out to be a comedic mastermind on BTE sketches or something? Yeah, I was just going to say, they don't they don't strike me as like the comedic sorts. I don't know that Buddy Matthews, all I have to work off of is his appearance on Total Divas, and it was dry as like sand. I don't know. That's not even an expression, but he seemed real boring. So I don't know. Maybe Brody King's really funny. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Sean Spears versus Bear Boulder was up next. So Sean is uh, beginning his tour of facing giants as he preps for his big match against the War Dog. And uh, squashes him. Hits him with that C4 Death Valley driver. And uh, he just beats him up with a chair afterwards. I respect to Sean Spears for getting that large man up for that C4 because that looked like it took a lot of core strength. That's right. <laughs> Uh, we go backstage, and Mark Sterling is very stressed out about being booked in a match. And he basically says, I'm not a wrestler. I don't own tights. And so this match is not happening. But what and about the tights he wore for the other match? I don't know. Well, the one with Moxley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Maybe those were borrowed tights. But then uh, Tony Nese says, that, don't worry about it. I can beat them both by myself. In fact, we're going to be in Vegas. I'm going to put 10000 I want you to put $10,000 on it. And Sterling's like, that's a lot. Yeah, I loved it. He, he looked at Lexi and and he was like, that's a lot. And she goes, that is a lot. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Good stuff. Uh, next up, Owen Hart Foundation quarterfinal match. Riho versus Ruby Soho. And uh, Riho was plugging her ears at Ruby Soho's theme song. I thought that was so funny. It's kind of heelish, right? It is, but it was like, yeah. well, she's the opponent, you know? I mean, her theme song is the best part about her. Well, I mean, she she was a... Uh... That, uh, was, that was mean. <laughs> she was in Black Gear last week. She must be going heel. Maybe, yeah. But uh, these two had a, like, had a hell of a match, honestly. Um, it was so good, and Riho was so good in it, that I thought it was a crime when she did not win. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised because I assumed that, I don't know, the way they use Riho is confusing because they didn't have her lose in the first round, so she wasn't there just to pad the numbers, but then they didn't 
let her go very far either. I don't know. I I don't know what I'm supposed to think as far as like Riho as a character and and where she fits into the like talent tiers. I mean, I mm-hmm. think she's cool like me, you know, just aside from her rankings and and number stats, but I don't understand what they're trying to do with her as far as like how you're supposed to view her. I don't either because I mean, she was the first ever women's champion, so she's got that. And but, she was like an exciting get, right? Like as far as yeah. yeah, and she was popular. Like she was, her matches always got over, and they still do. I I think she's such a she's so fun to watch. Yeah, but they've been having her lose. Yeah, I I was just about to say they she is she is the first ever AEW Women's Champion, but they do not they do not book her like that anymore. Mm-hmm. No, and do you think it's just because? Um, obviously not her fault that COVID happened and she had to be taken out of the mix just because she was over in Japan. But like, do you think that's what kind of hurt her as far as an unfortunate timing for that? Because before I really did think she was being used and positioned as a star. And then after it's like, Oh no, we, we never see you. Yeah. And it's a bummer because she like has, she's moved now to yeah Florida, you know? And to live in Florida and then still not be booked well is just <laughs> to move to the United States and to choose, well, you know, in a way to live in Florida. I think so. My theory is that, and this could be, this is based on, it's not based on nothing, but it could be totally wrong. I don't have I haven't heard this from anyone, but I think a lot of Japanese talent is now like kind of like living in Orlando because oh. because that's where all the Japanese people from who came who got signed by WWE ended up with and you know and so it's just like it's a place where you can be with like a colleagues and b like people who speak your language and share your culture yeah so they're forming their own little like uh, expat only mm-hmm. you know not expat but basically they're forming their own little yeah. community like that yeah. okay I get that I was gonna say like of all the places see- in the U S. Cause you see like, you see like pictures out of like wrestlers out and, and I've multiple times seen, um, like Shinsuke Nakamura, like out at places with like, I, th- I think I've seen him with Michael Nakazawa. I think I've seen him with like hanging out with, um, with, uh, uh, like Yuka Sakazaki when she was in town. Mm-hmm. So like the, the two company, like the Japanese talent for the two companies, well, they, they all mix, everybody freaking mixes, you know? Um, they're allowed to cross but, enemy lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, but anyway, so uh, I thought this match was really good. I do not think that um, I do not think that Ruby Soho is going to have as good a match in the next round as she did in this one. Why are you not liking Ruby Soho? I don't. I, just, I don't think she's that great a wrestler. I think she's a really cool character and she's got a great entrance and she's got a great look and I like her a lot, but I think she's, I think she's a better character than she is a wrestler. Oh, like mm-hmm. CM Punk? How dare you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I think, I think CM Punk's a much better wrestler than Ruby Soho, but yeah. Ugh. You people. <laughs> well, who is, uh, who is she up against or have we not in the timeline believe, find out, believe, found out about that? <laughs> I believe she will be up against the Red Velvet Chris Statlander winner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Chris Statlander. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Velvet's getting more of a push than 
stat lately. I really like Chris Statlander, though. I don't know. They, they, like, Red Velvet's in the, like, she's in the, she's in Jade's crew now, you know? Chris Statlander's another one who had sort of the Riho trajectory where, like, she got, she was really big coming in, and then she got hurt to the point where she was out for a really long time. And then that time away sort of uh, weirdly messed up, you know, her run. And and now I don't know that she's as lauded or, like, treated the way she was before. Yeah. Uh, That takes us to a backstage segment and possibly the highlight of the entire show, if I'm being quite honest. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) So good. The the new the new amazing stable of the Gun Club and the Acclaimed, they're all hanging out backstage, and uh, Billy Gunn is talking to all the children, and he's saying, "Guys, I know a, a thing or two about this stable thing, and we need to come up with like some some stuff to like really distinguish us. We need to come up with like a hand signal that we could do." And Austin Gunn raises his hand and says, "Daddy," <laughs> and Billy calls on him. And he says, like, what if we like, what if we like raise our our hands up into the sky and then we like bring them down to our crotches and an X and then and then they're and then Billy's like, no, 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 that's terrible. Like that would never that would never work. And then uh I think it's Bowens says, like, what if we what if we like make our hands into V's and Go like this. That's like the the acclaimed scissor thing. And Billy's like, that's brilliant. That now that's that's something. And then uh he says, like, what about a catchphrase? We need a catchphrase. And then uh Austin again raises his hand, and this time he says, Father. And (laughs) Billy calls on him once more and he says, How about this? I got two words for you. And he before he finishes, Billy's like, No, no, no. And then Max Caster says what about listen listen yo listen <laughs> and the billy gun says oh that's wonderful and the best part about it is austin and um what's the other one's name colton, colton were not they weren't like mad about these suggestions being accepted they were psyched about them they were also like yes those are better suggestions i yeah i totally love that like good good vibe like we're all just here for fun and there was no animosity. They're just like, way to suggest cool things. Like, yeah, let's do it. And they all just sort of, didn't they do like a full team scissor motion? <laughs> like, yes, they did. <laughs> I uh, I did not, I, there's no way I could have done this justice. If you have Rampage hanging out in your DVR and you haven't watched it yet, go find this, this skit. It's great. So good. Uh, we've got Jaden Cargill and her baddies. Uh, they are being interviewed by Tony. She tells Tony to cut the shit because, of course, Tony always needs to cut the shit. And uh, he, Tony tells us that Hikaroshida was injured and that Chris Statlander is taking her place in the tournament. I gotta say, I don't think Red Velvet's argument is wrong because she goes, oh, great. Well, you know, she's injured. She forfeits. I move forward. And honestly, I'm like, that logic isn't totally out of left field, right? Like, there, there is yeah, some... Statlander didn't qualify for this tournament. Yeah, there is some reasoning behind that. And I'm like, Red Velvet, you kind of did get screwed. You should have gotten, like, just move forward. Yeah. 
anyway, uh, that takes us to the main event for the TNT title. Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian. Uh, we have Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti, the most nauseating <laughs> couple in America, uh, at ringside. They've got licking their, each their other's faces. What? Licking each other's faces, uh, proudly displaying their triple A intergender tag team titles. Because <laughs> um, as oh Jenny, so as, as Jenny, of course, knows, like we need more titles to keep track of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Kaz and Scorpio have what I would I would say like oh there was there was a segment I missed earlier um where Scorpio told uh Ethan and uh Lambert to stay backstage basically that yeah. he he wanted to take care of this himself. So they basically had a babyface match. Um it was you know very honorable and uh Megan's making faces over there. Um <laughs> Because I know how it turns out. She knows what's going to happen. So, uh, it comes down to... They actually have a really good match. They have really good chemistry, as you might expect, being former tag team partners. But uh, it comes down to Frankie's got the advantage, and Lambert and Ethan Page come running out. And Ethan, while Dan Lambert is distracting the referee, Ethan hits... Uh, Frankie with the TNT title and he puts Sky on top of him and it's only a two count. And Sky's then, knocked out to the point of not Yes, he doesn't he that. doesn't know that it's happened, yeah. So he he eventually he gets he 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 gets up, he hits he hits Frankie with a TKO to get the win. And then afterwards he's like questioning them on like what happened. Cuz I think Frankie just, was like, look, like they hit me. What the hell, man? Yeah. And then he just takes the belt and turns on Frankie and beats him down anyway. So I don't know what the point. I, I don't know what the point of all of this has been, to be quite honest, because now we're just like right back where we started. Yeah, I I guess it's like Scorpio's a heel. We didn't really need him to do this to prove it, <laughs> you know, and like Frankie lost clean. It could have just been a very nice you know, we're former tag team partners and and we're going to do this kind of almost like a, what do they call the TV episodes where, a, like a bottle episode where, mm-hmm. yeah, Scorpio's evil, but like Frankie doesn't have any beef with him. They just do the thing. Frankie doesn't get the title. They shake hands, they go home, and then Scorpio's like, P.S., you know, what evil stuff can I get into next? I, I feel like it would have worked totally fine and I don't know. It's just sad to see like as part of Scorpio's heel turn he's also uh for no reason destroying his best friend yeah i i and i don't know what this so are ty and sammy also heels still it's unclear because then they did the baby face thing of running in to help frankie and chase away scorpio and dan lambert and ethan page if they're counting on people to cheer Sammy and Ty, it's not going to work. <laughs> Especially not when they're dressed the way they're dressed. I mean, it's like they've got a sign that says douchebag around each of their necks. Like, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a commentary on, like, you know, I wasn't trying to slut shame Ty, which I have feel like I have to say based on the way the audience reacts to Dan Lambert. But I just meant, like, 
Sammy's got his fur coat on. He looks like an idiot. And then she's like, I feel like really glamming herself up in like an obnoxious way to be. And, you know, they're licking each other. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to get over his faces anytime soon. So that was Rampage. I thought it was a great show. I'm, 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 I'm perplexed at the TNT title situation. I guess that's what I would say. Same. Because like, I, I did not expect Frankie to win, but I did not expect there to be that level of extra shit with it. Yeah. Jenny, did you watch did you watch your boy Scorpio be mean? I don't remember. <laughs> that feels like a really long time ago. Yeah, it was a basically a week ago at this point, because tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> I always feel bad on the rampage recaps because I it if I've watched it, it's been like a week since I've watched it, and I I, can't, I have a hard time remembering that far back. I should take that, notes. That's fair. Well, I you know Scorpio's doing things, but they're not nice things. So I didn't know how you felt about that. I mean, I would just like him to bring back his uh black leather pants, not leather, uh, black jeans, skinny jeans. Get them skinny jeans. All right, Megan, can we talk about dynamite? We can always talk about dynamite. We are uh, back in the Fertita, Fertata, Fertata, Fertita, Fertita Center in Houston, Texas. The key nice. to a really good Frittata <laughs> is a hot pan. <laughs> oh, Harrison Ford. Um, yeah, so we're back. Been here before. Uh, it's Wild Card Wednesday, which means we're going to find out who the jokers are for both the men and women's brackets of the Owen Hart Championship Tournament. And we get the reveal for the men's bracket right here in the first match. It's Samoa, Samoa Joe against the Joker, who turns out to be Johnny Elite. Yep. A.K.A. Johnny Mundo, Johnny... Impact. Or, John, John Morrison, Morrison, Johnny Nitro. Uh, what else was he... I, I, I feel thought, like I feel like there's like one more Johnny wrestling company name, but I can't remember. When they were going through all those names, I was like, "Oh, so we finally got Johnny Gargano, but it's a different Johnny." <laughs> you know, you know, Johnny. Um, the Elite Wrestling Twitter account, or maybe it was like the AEW on TV. One of the official AEW on Twitter channels tagged the wrong Johnny when <gasps> when like this happened they tagged Johnny Gargano and said whoa it's John it's at Johnny Gargano <laughs> oh that's oh, funny there was a split second when the the big screen said Johnny Elite and I thought oh like is that Johnny Gargano because like that's a very Johnny Gargano way of doing yeah. things not that Me like too. he would change his name but like the you know his opening would have that and then I was like oh no not Johnny Gargano I mean, I wasn't, like, disappointed, but I was like, is Johnny Gargano here? Is this how we're doing this? No, it was, yeah, but it's, uh, I've, I've got, I've actually have the full list of, uh, former ring names, past and present. Ooh. of. Is this, so, like, gonna be bubblegum shrimp level? It's not that long, no. <laughs> here we go. Real name, starting with, which he has used as a ring name, John Hennigan, John Morrison, Johnny Blackcraft, Johnny Blaze. <laughs> Johnny Caballero, Johnny Elite, Johnny Game Changer. I'm guessing that's where he worked for Game Changer Wrestling. Yeah. Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Onyx, 
Johnny <laughs> Superstar and Johnny Ultra. Why does he have so many names? I a lot of them. So a few of them are like I think Johnny Blaze was one week in WWE when he first started because uh-huh. they got a cease and desist from Marvel or something because that's the name of the Ghost Rider. Um, <laughs> so that was that that explains that. But yeah, I don't know. Like when he goes to a new company, he usually just makes it Johnny and like something about that company, huh? Which I think is fun. Yeah, I mean it's a good He's way to a lot of companies then to yeah. carry your brand forward without having He's to worry about the copyrights. Yeah. yeah. Um, the crowd seemed pretty happy to see him. Samoa Joe looked absolutely unimpressed and perhaps like he didn't know who this was. It was a, <laughs> it was a great reaction. Samoa Joe is so good. <laughs> um, so these two have like a, a fun opening match with you know the big strong guy against smaller high flying guy dynamic and Joe beats Johnny with the brainbuster and then pins him. Um, but overall, like I don't know, it was, it was fun to see Johnny, whatever he is now, like showing up. I, is he on the roster now, or is this just think, fun? I think, I think this was a one-off. Um, I think maybe if it would have gone better, if he hadn't. Uh... <laughs> Maybe he would have a shot, but I, I, I hate to, I, I really hate to nitpick pick wrestlers because they do what I can never do. But he he missed a lot of things in 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 not that long match. Yeah, it's I was watching him and I was like, okay, I'm enjoying this more than Jeff Hardy. But if I'm being fair, and if you know, I've I've criticized Jeff Hardy because of his speed and abilities. Um, while also acknowledging, I get why he's like that. Uh, but I was like, uh oh, like this isn't as fast as I remember Johnny John Morrison, I guess, or maybe Johnny Mundo was the last incarnation I saw. It's not as fast as uh, I remember him being. But I will say the guy's kept in great shape. Good for him, you know. Like if nothing else, he's got a look. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Um, I find myself thinking when I saw him last night, the same thing I thought um, like with the main event with Jeff Hardy, actually spoiler alert. I thought, man, why couldn't he be 10 years younger right now? Uh, you know what? He probably thinks that too. <laughs> Don't we all? It's probably uh, more of a painful realization when you're in a business like that. But yeah, it's, it's not like it's the weird thing to think, but you know, he, he was, did his he thing. He was so great in Lucha Underground, but that was like that was like seven years ago at this point, you know? Ugh, I didn't think it was that long ago, but thank you for doing the math on it. You're welcome. Ugh, that's rough. Yeah, I guess. And, and has he been doing wrestling, or did he just kind of come out of... I know he, he does, was, like, movies and he stuff. A, he's, he just came off of, like, a year plus with WWE. Oh, Okay. They like redid the Miz and Morrison tag team and everything. So he was John Morrison there. Yeah. Oh wait, was he Miz Dow? No. <laughs> okay. No. Damian Sandow. Uh, but yeah, so um, it it does make sense that Joe is the one to continue on in the tournament, and you know he seemed like he would have been happy about that, but he doesn't get any time to celebrate because like the instant. That the bell rings to finish the match. Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh are right there to attack him. Um, large man Satnam Singh holds Joe up so that Jay can hit him specifically in the left shoulder 
with the lead pipe that they are always carrying around. And I'm not sure if that's an indication that Joe shoulders hurt or not, but he, he looked like it didn't feel great. Um, and then no, gives, gives Kyle something to work on in the match next week. Oh, true. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Kyle likes a spot spot check like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, that happens and then they don't get to do much more because Trent, Chuck and Rocky Romero run out to save Joe uh, and chase those baddies away. Mm-hmm. But not the baddie section. Not No, the baddie section was probably like not watching this match. They were probably playing on their phones, possibly <laughs> drinking cocktails that I don't know where they got at the... Waiting, waiting to see Hook. Yeah. <laughs> where is that muscly boy? <laughs> it's like my experience watching AEW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Well, they didn't show him. What the fuck is that? I was going to say, do you hear that? Yes, what is that? There's like a motorcycle gang. Oh, gosh. I hate the motorcycle noise. It's so loud. Have aces and eights of TNA (laughs) theme come to kidnap you, Megan? I hope not. Um, Actually, the motorcycles around my neighborhood, I do think it's really funny because I don't know what to call them because I don't know the various bikes, but there's this kid. When I say kid, he's probably like in his 20s, but he has this little like little motorcycle. It's like very short and squat and it has like really big wheels, but he like rides it around really fast. They call those crotch rockets, right? The little ones. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's not like a bike. It It's like it's like a kid like a toddler bike. toy. Yeah, but it's souped up in a way that's like, I guess that's a motorcycle now? I don't know. It's very loud, and he just, like, flies around our neighborhood, which is not very big, um, and just is loud. So I'm the old person that's like, can you please (laughs) go somewhere else? We had drones in our, like, in the field that's supposed to be a park at some point. Like, um whatever night we were sitting outside on our patio and I was so annoyed because all you could hear is just like that similar noise to what we were hearing with the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's so interesting what people choose to do. Um, yeah. If it, it seems like it's ended, but if there's any other loud noises, please let me know and I'll shut my window. It's just listeners so hot and humid here. And we're not going to ask you to do that. No. Okay. You, you stay cool. Okay. Okay. I'm staying cool. I'm staying cool. Okay. Back to the show. I'm right underneath our air conditioning vent and I might have to get a blanket. I'm a little chilly. (laughs) Opposite problems. There's a blanket right behind you. I can see it. Oh, there's one. Thank you. We have to move. Um, So, yeah. All right. So that happens. Remember that because, you know, Rocky Romero's here and that doesn't always happen. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't. He's. He's not around all the time. Anyway, backstage, Lexi Nair is in the locker room talking to the Hardys. Um, Lexi lets us know that Jeff has officially been medically cleared to wrestle tonight, despite the fact that he's got, I guess, ice or some sort of bandaging around his midsection. And, um, you know, last week, his match with Darby was very dangerous and resulted in a very big scary bump but yeah he's cleared um the young bucks roll up and they tell lexi to beat it and then they start expressing what is clearly insincere concern for jeff's health (laughs) they tell him he should consider taking the night off because if he shows up to his match against adam cole 
he's going to get his ass kicked. And uh, at this point, Matt finally steps up and is like, I'm tired of your bullshit, okay, Young Bucks? Like, get out of our faces. And he issues a direct threat against them, saying saying that if there's any interference from them in Jeff's match against Adam tonight, that basically there will be trouble. I mean, he will come for them. So they don't seem concerned. No. So, the next match of the night is, oh, I'm not going to say this right, kind of super. Say it. Konosuke Takeshita. Okay, I'm trying to pronounce too many things. Konosuke Takeshita. He's going to be here for a year. You'll get it. I I think the last name I'll nail. I hope he never leaves after this match. Oh, my God. He's so cool. Okay, (laughs) so he he has a match against our current world champ, Adam Page. CM Punk joins the commentary team for the match. And he, oh, can I just take a minute to say CM Punk, um, another woke hero along with Adam. Uh, he is wearing a shirt in Texas that lets everyone else know where he stands on reproductive li- rights, and it is in the correct place. It says, abortion rights are human rights. Get it together, do you, Texas. Do you, remember, do you remember the shirt he wore the last time they were in Texas? The uterus? Yeah, it was like, keep your, uh, keep your picture, hands off mine or something. It was a picture of ovaries, and it said, get your own, then tell it what to do. <laughs> yes, yes. CM Punk rules. I love him. Um, and as he sits down... Excalibur looks at him and he like gives him a little nod and goes nice shirt and so I <laughs> I have to say I love punk but I also love I know we were a little critical of Tony but I do like that just like with the Black Lives Matter movement Tony Khan appears to be allowing his wrestlers to yeah. wear clothing that makes statements he could have I'm sure he could have told CM Punk not to wear that shirt yeah I, yeah. I do appreciate that he's He's open to that and just kind of letting things ride. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the match itself between these two men totally rules. Takeshita is awesome. And he's really tall. Again, I was surprised by his height, especially because I thought Adam was a larger gentleman. But he still towered over Adam. Um, if this, if, if it wasn't for those two Brian Danielson matches, well, I guess the one. There's only one this year. Um yeah. This I think this may have been my favorite dynamo dynamite match of the entire year. If it wasn't for the for the that the second uh, hangman uh dragon match. Yeah. This it, was so awesome. So good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like this guy Where this, has he you, been? You where? could do something with this guy. Yeah. Like, How is like this, he This guy should be TNT champion. Is he still, he's still relatively young too, right? Like he's a 20, I think he just turned 26. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Just make this guy the star he deserves to be. I want him to stay here forever. He's <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, this, this match was incredible. They were like, it felt like Hangman was just felt like he had to keep up. So he was, it felt like he really like upped his game too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. And and Punk loved it. Punk was so god, Punk was so good on commentary. Punk was Punk was so good on commentary in a way that Adam Page was not at all good the week before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I Oh yeah. yeah, Adam Page was like silent the work the week before. Yeah. P- Punk was so great at selling. He was he was I mean, he was selling the match. He was selling the 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 main event of Double or Nothing while he was calling this match. He is so he is what a 
Whatever they paid him, he's he is worth it. Yeah, he wove in the location, the the day that he he did that thing where like you're like it doesn't sound like you're trying hard to bend over backwards to let me know things. He he wove it in. He got so excited and nerded out with Excalibur when Excalibur started explaining who Takeshita had like fought against. He's like he fought against the I forget he the fought name. Tenru? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, he was like so excited. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good and. It made me think, like, well, Punk, if you eventually retire from the ring, I I feel like somebody's gonna have to hire you just to do an ounce. Like, oh god, yeah. yes, yeah, he's he's he can replace Jr. He's he's he he's probably he's probably is like the best color commentator in wrestling right now, and he doesn't even do it full time. You know, he I mean he does um I forget the name of the promotion, but he does color commentary regularly for one of the kind of minor league MMA promotions that airs on uh, fight pass. Oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, for the first time since he started doing that, like three years ago, he's going to have to miss his first show because they have a show, uh, double or nothing weekend. So (laughs) he's like, sorry guys, I'm going to be busy winning a world title. Oh, (laughs) well, you know, anyway, but he was like, this match was great. That's going to happen. I, uh, the thing, okay. The thing that I'm most excited about this match is that I really could see this one going either way. Whereas, you know, with like Hangman versus Adam Cole at, at the last pay-per-view, I was just like, yeah, the Hangman's not going to lose this. You know, there's no way it's too early in the rain. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole's not like, but I could with punk, I could see it. And I could also see Hangman winning. So. Yeah. I'm excited. I think I'm going to be happy either way, but yeah, I do think it's going to be a really good match. Um, Me too, and it feels it feels like a it feels like a real world title match in a way that uh, like you know Kenny versus Hangman did, but like Cole like, and I feel bad saying it because I like Cole, but Cole versus Hangman didn't really feel like a like like a classic world. You know what I mean? It didn't yeah. have that. Like, it didn't have that feeling going into it. Uh, yeah, it didn't feel like there was like obviously they had beef, but like it didn't feel like I don't know. It felt a little quick. And uh, combined with, like, the fact that you're, like, well, it's too early to pass, like, pass this on to somebody else. It just, it yeah. didn't seem like there was any um, tension to it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And th- that might be an unfair advantage that, like, the farther you get into a title reign, maybe, like, naturally the opponents seem more credible because it's like, well, he has had the title for a long time, mm-hmm. so you could take it off him now, you know? So, that might be an advantage, but also like CM Punk's just a much better promo than everybody else. So, <laughs> Yeah. And imagine what kind of like just full on promos he'll cut with that title. I like, cause I also wonder if he gets it, will he go full heel and start to be like an asshole? Like I thought they were starting to turn him heel. And then it's like, I don't really. Eh, it was just a long Island thing. Well, yeah. Long Island. Gross. I mean, he was in Texas wearing a shirt that said abortion rights are human rights. And he it's was true. the biggest baby face on the show. Like that, t- that tells you something. I was genuinely <laughs> shocked. Not that I expected people to hate him, but like, I was like, wow, Texas has really shown up for this guy. who's wearing a shirt that basically is like fundamentally what your state does is wrong. <laughs> I don't yeah. Well, I think that just goes to show you that the vast majority of our country truly believes that they are human rights and that there's just. And certainly in big cities like Houston. True. Yes. 
Um, but yes, to to kind of like get to that point, um, this match was awesome. Many good spots. Takeshita rules. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I think it was clear that since Adam Page is the champ and his rival Punk is there, probably not going to be the time for Takeshita to, to get the win. Um, he tries. He tries real hard. And Adam has a couple moments where he should have got the pin, but instead he wastes time glaring at punk and finally he he gets to a point where he gets Takeshita up for the gts and he stares at punk and he he does that and he looks like really badass about it and punk just laughs and goes i love it i love it some guys would hate this but i love it imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and he's just so into the fact that adam did that when adam was so mad last week when punk did the buckshot lariat which now he's calling on commentary the punk shot lariat uh-huh. <laughs> so good so good kenta is so mad on twitter about all this go to sleeping that's happening <gasps> oh no <laughs> <laughs> what's he what's he got um to say about it like just just general like like you, you people need to respect me this is bullshit um <laughs> <laughs> I have a fe- I have a feeling he's going to show. I, I I so I think I've been thinking about this. I do not think Kenta versus CM Punk is happening at Forbidden Door. I think either at Forbidden Door or maybe the Dynamite after, um, there will be an angle where Kenta hits Punk with a go to sleep though to set up a match. Okay. Yeah, I think it has to happen. I'm into it. I think that would be fun. And I also just love Kenta running around. Like, I know he had a time in NXT where he was like, or maybe it was the main roster where his whole thing was like, respect me. And yeah. It's like, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, that's a fair <laughs> thing to ask, I guess. Yeah. It's just great. Um. So, yeah. Punk was not phased. He thought this was awesome. He was, uh, he gets up at the end and he leaves the commentary table and he, he stands on stage and he raises his hands and commands the crowd as he does. They all cheer. And then Adam steps out onto the apron and he, he holds his title up and people cheer. And then, so then they slowly like come together and, uh, Adam like looks him over and kind of goes around him and Punk's just like having a good time and people are chanting CM Punk and he just kind of looks at Adam and like puts a finger to his ear and is like, you hear that? And then Adam gets a a look of frustration and kind of shoves his way past Punk and heads to the back in a bit of a huff. Yeah, a bit of a huff indeed, I would say, yeah. This whole thing was so great. I I was so happy with it. I was just like, this great match, great angle at the afterwards. It's like great commentary. Yes. So so much fun all around. So I've got uh pop number two here. Ooh, okay. This is a Yakima Fresh, uh, as in Yakima, Washington, I believe. I don't know any other Yakimas, uh, but it's from the Columbus Brewing Company. Um, it is a wet hop, uh, a wet hop, India Pale Ale. What so, on earth is a wet hop? Oh, okay. Is that like a reference to wet hot American summer? <laughs> I don't know. That would be like a weird leap, but whatever. It would be. This one is a meager seven and a half percent alcohol by volume. What are you even doing? But uh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll see here. Let's see. Still got a little little kick to that crack. Yeah. All right. Well, how is it? It's interesting. It's um, I like maybe like. 
I'm getting like a little pine, maybe. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like tree? You you taste tree in the beer? <laughs> that's not uh that's not necessarily bad. I mean like no, our... not tree beard, Jenny. The character's name is Tree Beard. <laughs> it's tree people. Oh, Jenny's. I don't want to drink fruit. Okay. Well, who will eat them? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, now that that's out of the way, we got a we get a, a promo video from Fuego del Sol, who is still really, really mad at the House of Black. They've underestimated him, and apparently, he will not let it go. And he he has the Dark Order to support him in a sense. Um, in this video, Ten and Evil Uno showed up to say, like, we will back him up. And so Friday Night on Rampage, it's going to be a trios match among these six men. Um, and, like, I don't, again, I don't know what they're doing with the House of Black. This is weird, but okay. Well, I think, I think at the pay-per-view, they're going to do House of Black versus Death Triangle, finally. That should be awesome. Yeah. I hope they actually do it. I hope it's I hope it's not on although I don't know they do have a really big like one of the biggest dynamites ever like right after double or nothing because that's the uh, debut in Los Angeles oh and they've sold like the, there's gonna be like 13,000 people that are at dynamite that week so I don't you probably want to like hold back a couple of big matches for that show so I could I could see it being there too I mean, honestly, hold back enough so that you don't have as packed a card as the last pay-per-view because it was great, but it was so exhausting. And Lucha Brothers in Los Angeles would be like. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. Fingers crossed. We'll see. But uh, on Rampage, we get a a taste of uh, what House of Black's doing here. Uh, And what's a taste? (laughs) Oh, my God. Your favorite. Fuego, um, Fuego is, uh, I think that's kind of like a good fit for him, like palling around the Dark Order. Yeah. I mean, he has a mask. They have masks. Yeah. And they have, like, you know, Five just doesn't wear a mask anymore, so it's good to, like, replenish the, the, the mask, mask energy. Yeah. Mask people, yeah. Is Fuego bald? Because they can't, well, they lost a bald one, so... I don't. I don't know if Fuego, I've never seen Fuego's a Fuego's a real one. I've never seen him without his mask on. Oh damn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. How that friendship blossoms. Stu left. They've got a spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, next up we have Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland against the Workhorses, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry. Um, this one isn't There's... quite. Yeah. I was going to say, there's not much to say about this one, but attention must be paid to the finish because the finish was awesome looking. Oh, they did. Yeah, I didn't write down what type of move it was, but uh, Swerve and Keith Lee finally did like an official tag team move. Yes. So Swerve went to the top turnbuckle and did a double stomp to uh, Anthony Henry as... Uh, Keith Lee had Anthony Henry held in powerbomb position, so he double stomped him, and then Keith Lee finished the powerbomb. It looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They called it the uh, fall from glory, I believe. Um, sure. 
I wrote down the name. I just was like, I don't know how to describe this. Like, I'll yes. let Andy do that. <laughs> it was, I, would, I would call it a double stomp into a, a topper of double stomp into a power bomb. It looked awesome. And I, it, it looked real enough that um, I did have a moment of fear for Anthony Henry when Swerve was getting close to the ground. I'm like, please split your legs. You know, don't, don't actually stomp on this man's chest. <laughs> and he didn't. Everybody lived. It was good. So, yeah, not quite a smash, but a, a smash, basically. Um, after the match is where the real, like, story happens. So, Keith Lee gets on the mic, and he announces that with this win, he and Swerve are officially in the tag team rankings. Um, that's all he says. And then Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs walk out, and immediately Ricky Starks starts going in on the two of them for even possibly implying that they might have their sights set on the AEW World Tag Team Championships by just saying, like, we're in the rankings now. Um, this made me think that um, Keith Lee must be, like, Cyborg from the DC Universe. You know that scene where he, like, goes into the internet and, uh, and like, just, like, <laughs> fixes the economy? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, hold on, let this, me just distribute he, the wealth. He must be like able to instantly see the 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 updated rankings that won't come out for another week. <laughs> They're downloaded directly to his brain. Yeah, yeah. I he should have said something like, "Tony Khan told me before we went out here that a win tonight would put us in the top five. Like he should have said something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, preserve the business. Um. But, you know, that's where we're at. And Ricky Stark's pissed about it. Um, he says that if anyone's getting a shot at the tag team championships, it's going to be he and Hobbs. Uh, which, realistically, I, I'm sure, like, they have to be ranked higher if they're ranked at all. Because Keith Lee and Swerve would start at number five. So, whatever. Again, I he's he's going to 11 on this when I don't think Keith Lee really said anything that out there. Um but that's okay, because Christian and Jurassic Express interrupt this whole thing to let both teams know that Jurassic Express is comfortable in saying they're the best tag team, and therefore they will give both of these teams a shot at the titles at Double or Nothing in a three-way tag team match. Okay. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland were already ranked fifth. Oh. Okay. So that's confusing. Well, you'd have to it follow the sound, rankings to know that. And it made does. it sound like they were not. Yeah, I don't pay attention to me anymore. Maybe I should again. I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> Jenny's like, I'm Powerhouse not Hob- back. Hobbs and Starks are second. Okay. Yes. I mean, like, just numerically, they would have to be above. If they're in the rankings at all, they would have to be above a team that just got there. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, guys, why we stopped watching the ranking <laughs> is because. Mathematically, they didn't always make sense. Yeah. There were weights that they didn't give us the info for. There were qualitative weights that they didn't give us the information on up front. And so it was very frustrating. You're not wrong. <laughs> In fact, I might go as far to say that you're right. Um but yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah, so I mean I guess I could I guess I could start watching Dark and Elevation every week and really like do my homework. <laughs> God, if you want to go down a horrifying rabbit hole, yes, you could do that. And then perhaps find that by actually following the wins and losses and writing them down and tracking the progress, that the rankings are lies. Mm-hmm. 
Man, I don't want to find that out. Well, you know, they only bring them up when they need them. You notice they don't ever go out of their way to show you who's where. That's true. Uh, but anyway, yes, like, that's where it doesn't matter now because the the rankings are moot at this point because the tag team champs have directly challenged these two teams and that overrides the rankings. They can just do that. So they're going to have a three-way tag match at Double or Nothing, but Christian really wants to see Jungle Boy get that win back over Ricky Starks because he was cheated out of it last week. And so he wants Jungle Boy to take on both Ricky, the man who beat him, and Swerve, the man who Christian blames for causing the loss to have like a a big three-man fight. I bet they will have a better match than Ricky and Jungle Boy had because I think they'll they'll probably come up with a lot of fun three-way spots to do together. Yeah, they're all like athletic high flyers. Like I could I could see it getting real wacky and also super cool. So mm-hmm. that's happening on Rampage. Or no. Dynamite next week. Dynamite. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Dynamite. What so what is um what is the what, how do you feel about two pay-per-views in a row, the tag team titles are up in a three-way? I, you do you know, feel any kind of way about it? I feel like as long as it's interesting and not stupid, because I think it was the tag team title match on the last one where I just thought their strategy was dumb. Because I feel like people... Maybe it wasn't the tag team match. There's one one of these gimmick matches. I just... In general, if you're going to add a, this sort of like thing into the mix, respect it and make it interesting. Don't have people do stupid things like not try to like get distracted and not cover people. Or like with ladder matches, uh, not immediately climb up a ladder if there's no one in the ring. And instead set up a ladder for whatever moves are coming next. Like mm-hmm. I just like um, some level of logic and sensicalness to it so if that is what they can do with a three way tag team match then fine i'm fine with it we must we must be getting some kind of casino battle royale on the show right because it's we're it's literally double or nothing and we're in vegas again yeah but how how far ahead do they generally announce that or have they reached a point where they just they expect they, the audience to expect it again i feel like I mean, I'll I'll look at the official like the I'm gonna look at the Wikipedia entry for Double or Nothing because Wikipedia's rule is they don't put a uh, they don't put a match list list a match until it's been officially announced on television. But I feel like I feel like half of this card still has yet to be officially announced. It's in a week. It's it's nine days away. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're, ten, I guess they're going ten like. They're swinging the pendulum the opposite way of the last one, and it's like this pay per view is going to be over at nine thirty. Yeah. Ooh. No, that is. Oh, happen. that is it's not going to happen, thing. Jenny. It's there not going to happen. There are seven matches announced as pay per view, and just for example, the last pay per view had twelve matches on it. It was a lot. Um, yeah. Are any of the seven announced already uh, relegated to the pre-show, or are they all just yes. main? Uh, Hookhausen and Tony Nese and Mark Sterling is for the pre-show. Okay, that makes sense. And is the Casino Battle Royal usually on the pre-show, or is it usually the first thing? I know it's early in the evening, either way. 
Because it's a good question. Um, I can that tell way. you that. Uh, it was on. It was on the main show last year. Okay. Jungle Boy won. Okay. In 2020, it was it was a casino ladder match in 2020, and that was when Brian Cage debuted. Oh, oh my God. It feels both so far away and also not far enough away. But <laughs> the inaugural one, the only other one that's ever been in Vegas, it was on the pre-show. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I like a like a fun battle royal to get things started. They usually go pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Get get some people paydays that aren't going to have um, like a storyline reason to be on. Yeah, so I feel like they have to have one. So, hey, maybe they just expect us to expect it. Maybe they're maybe. just like, obviously, we don't have to announce it. It's it's like the Royal Rumble. It's just going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> that's one specific pay per view. This is too. This is double or nothing. Well, we but we always have a casino battle royale in every pay per view. No, there's always a match with like thirty people in it. Every well, pay per view. But at every double or nothing, there is a there is specifically at every double or nothing. There's a casino battle royale. Sure, but that or casino every pay per view. Okay. <laughs> well, regardless, we'll find out. It may not be until the night of the pay per view, but we will find out. So yeah. They should announce matches on like the rampage the night, but like two nights before. <laughs> they might. I mean, yeah. At this point, there's a decent enough gap that you could land somewhere between seven and twelve and not end up with an overpack show. Yeah, it is a it is a uh, it is a live rampage that night. So. Oh damn! All right. <sighs> okay, so back on dynamite, Tony Schiavone. He's interviewing Red Velvet and Chris Statlander. Red Velvet says, uh, you know, no nostalgia for the past friendship. Don't care. Like, that was a thing, but it's not a thing anymore. And she says, I'm bringing everything I have to our quarterfinal match for the Owen Hart Championship Tournament on Rampage. And Chris is like, that's fine. Like, we've both changed. And uh, this thing between us is strictly business. And then Jade and Kira, the baddies, show up to uh, take Red Velvet away. While also, Jade takes a moment to imply that Red Velvet and Chris's friendship was a lie from the beginning, orchestrated by Red Velvet, which is just, you know, it's just like salt in the wound. You don't need to go there. But she does. So. Tony cut the shit. Tony cut the shit. Poor Tony. Um, I do think Tony needs a haircut. Yeah. He's starting to look a little shaggy. Looks like he's, uh, it's starting to get a little business in front, party in the back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's not what you want. No shade, Tony. I just, I think you, you looked like a cleaner cut man. Um, so, yeah, after that, we go back to the ring where MJF and Sean Spears are preparing to give Wardlow his 10 lashes. Uh, Wardlow's not out there. So, like, they walk into the ring. It's open. Um, MJF does his typical MJF thing to rile up the crowd you know obviously texas is uh there's a lot of opportunities to say mean things about them um and he does what's your rednecks yep um and he also takes a moment though before wordlow gets here to remind everyone that 
Wardlow's not allowed to touch or retaliate in any way against MJF while he's giving him these lashes or the whole thing's off. So, uh, Wardlow, we see, is shirtless, but with dress pants on and fancy shoes. It's a real look. Um, and handcuffs. And handcuffs. Gets escorted all the it's way. It's not a bad look, Megan. No, not I was like, oh, look. hey, War Daddy, what is up with you? <laughs> immediately, immediately deafening Wardlow chants. They love the Wardlow. They, what a, ho- God, what a home run. Yeah. And he gets walked all the way from like, literally, I believe he's outside on a loading dock and they take, so it's a long walk until he gets out there. And um, the security team, they leave, but they don't take the handcuffs off. Wardlow is just in handcuffs. And so the lashing begins like immediately, like Wardlow's standing there and MJF's like not waiting for this one. And he hits him and he looks really proud of himself. But Wardlow, very much unlike Cody, does not flinch. He just sort of laughs. And I was like, hell yeah, war dog. So I had a couple of people, two people specifically, uh, friends of the show, past guests, past guest hosts, uh, Jeff Jacobs and Jason Spencer. Oh, separate but not knowing each other. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they know each other a little bit through message boards and stuff. But, um, uh, and they did, they, I did get them together on one podcast one time and it was kind of contentious to be quite honest, but, uh, (laughs) but anyway, uh, they both texted me over the past week to say that they don't like this Wardlow thing because it's too similar. They said like, they're just copying the Cody angle. And my thought was that. It's actually great because Wardlow and the Cody thing was complicit and participated in the lashings against Cody and was the opponent in the cage match against Cody. And now he's finding himself in the other in the other role. So I actually liked really like the symmetry of it. What do you think? I did not real think about it that that much. Um, I liked in like the vacuum of this segment, I liked the contrast and the reactions. Cause I'm like, so they're doing the same thing as Cody, which, you know, MJF, he's not creative. Of course he's going to be like, look, I just like hitting people with a belt. I did it to Cody. I'll do it to you. Well, he's, and he's always got to have a thing, right? It's like, it's like, I have all these conditions for Cody. I have all these conditions for Wardlow. Jericho, you must pass the, like the five <laughs> labors of MJF or whatever yeah. the fuck to give him to get a match with me. You know, so yeah. he's always, he's always got that like dramatic stuff. But I, I agree with you, though. I like the way they flipped this to where like Wardlow was just no selling everything was so great because the last thing you want to do is an exact copy of the way the Cody one was because the Cody one was great because he was selling so much and you could you could really feel for him. And they had the whole thing where like everybody else came down to the ring to support him and everything. And and um, but man, like it was really effective doing it this way, too. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, it is, like, on paper the same thing he did to Cody, but just tonally. Like, Cody, I thought I would hate that because I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cheesy and stupid. But it, like, weirdly was actually dramatic. And and with the people coming down, they, like, managed to make it serious in a way I didn't expect them to. But Mm -hmm. this time, the second he hit them, he hit him and Wardlow started laughing. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm here for this, too, because it's just like, this is going to be fun. And it was much faster and less dramatic. And I don't know, like, I just thought it was like, well, this is the different side of the coin. And 
and I'm into it because Wardlow was just like, I'm not here to, to like placate you and give you what you want with like, you know, letting you torture me. So MJF like hits him. And then because Wardlow's not flinching, MJF gets frustrated and he like wastes a good, I don't know, three to five hits, just like kind of throwing a tantrum, which was also good. So he, he went up to like eight hits left or eight lashes remaining very quickly. And Sean Spears actually had to step in and be like, stop because he was just going to get through it and be done. And, you know, Sean Spears was like, you're supposed to enjoy this. Mm -hmm. I'm a chair pervert. I understand how this works. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so Sean Spears steps in and MJF was like, all right, you take your turn. You go ahead. And Sean Spears gets two lashes. The first one, Wardlow stands strong. The second one, it catches him like on the shoulder and Wardlow does sort of like flinch and like kind of has to do like a shoulder flex. And that's enough for a reaction where MJF is, MJF is like, hell yeah. Okay. My turn. And, um, Wardlow's like, come on, let's just get this over with dude. Like I'm, I'm not playing your game. And so MJF gets behind him, winds up like he's going to hit him. And then he just gives him a low blow. Wardlow's not expecting. And I got to say, it looked unintentionally real <laughs> like, <laughs> it looked like maybe he did catch a war dog in the uh soft spot um yeah so Wardlow goes down because you know that's what happens and then um mjf just like jumps on top of him and starts hitting him again and then sean spears gets him up and mjf tries to choke him with his belt and finally he has sean spears hold him as he Gives him a punch to the face with the dynamite diamond ring, which seemingly knocks Wardlow out enough that he goes to the ground. And then Sean Spears, again, kudos to his strength. He muscles that boy up and gives him a C4. Yeah. And then he pinned him. For no reason. But yeah, fake uh, fake ref MJF, MJF got some practice in. Did the count. The crowd actually did the count. And I'm like, crowd, no. You're supposed to boo. You don't want <laughs> Wardog defeated. But yeah, that's, um, I mean, I'm assuming this is going to really piss Wardlow off. So Sean Spears is maybe going to get murdered. I mean, it's going to be tough because MJF is the referee next week in the cage. I know. I'm just, you know, he's going to have to like do do one of those things where he pushes Sean Spears into MJF hard enough that it takes them both out. And then another ref is going to have to come in to like replace him and then do a quick thing. Yeah. But, but MJF's going to be a real asshole up until then. I think so, too. I um, My biggest thought coming out of this um, is that after, after the CM Punk program and after this Wardlow program, if you, if you cannot find a way to make this man happy and stay in your company, then I think you're really fucking up. So I agree with that, but I think that he should do that as a gesture of goodwill. However, his contract's not up for two more years. Yeah. So technically, he doesn't have to do anything because MJF can't go anywhere else. Right. He could leave, but then he just wouldn't work for two years and he'd lose all of the momentum that he just gained. Right. You know, so I agree that you should make your highest performers happy and like do a gesture of goodwill, but it's a little bit different than having a free will contract 
well, you know, employment at will, where if you're not making them happy, they'll just leave and go somewhere else. This is like an actual contract where. Right. Where uh, it's like a time limit. Yeah. Terms, I mean. No, I know. But it just seems like it seems like they should be able to sit down and 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 Tony should be able to say something like, OK, like. Here's what like like we want to we want we want to we want to have you guaranteed for five years like we want a five-year guarantee and i will and and we'll you know we'll pay you like what i will like and we like maybe you put like escalators in the contract so it goes up every year or something to to kind of match when they're getting the new tv deal and all that stuff but mm-hmm. i just think if you're not doing everything you can to make this guy happy you're crazy because he's i mean, i think he he's 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 an incredible performer at 25 years old you know yeah yeah and yeah. i i mean i do also think that like there is something to be said about, you know, everybody, not everybody, the early people who came on took a chance. They signed on to this new company. They didn't know how it was going to turn out. I'm sure um, money-wise, like, the amount that they could pay people was limited to a certain extent because, you know, they're unproven and they're trying to to get up and running. But now it's very clear that they have more money to work with because they've got more TV deals. They've got more stuff happening. So I do think that they could meet in the middle by doing um, like what we were texting about where you give MJF a contract renegotiation and you give him more money. But you like, I also think it's totally fair to be like, but we're going to extend it. Like, like, you know, by getting more money, you do need to agree to more years in ahead of the time that you would have like you know before 2024 and i yeah. just like i think there are ways to make this work um but obviously like that's all behind the scenes stuff he signed i i know that he signed like right before they started on um tnt like so during that that late summer early fall period of 2019 he like they signed him and he immediately wanted he signed a five-year extension and i bet he really regrets that right now (laughs) yeah because like you know the company started and then a year later the pandemic happened so it's not so hard to believe people would be like yes i will sign on for how like yes i will sign a contract guaranteed employment during this pandemic as a wrestler yes um but he was i mean he was he was used to indie indie money you know oh for sure and so yeah. he was probably just like oh my god i'm this young and i have this opportunity i can sign for a five-year contract i bet he did not realize I, i'm sure he has like ultimate confidence in himself but i don't even think he could have thought that i'm gonna be like carrying feuds with chris jericho and cm punk in the next two you know like i don't know if he saw himself getting this high up in the company this quickly and now yeah. he probably feels like i'm way underpaid you know yeah yeah and yeah and i'm not gonna fault him for that i think you know obviously no i'm always gonna be a pro wrestler in cases like this well i just think in for anyone if you think you're worth that money and you think you can get it i mean you can definitely shoot too high and be unrealistic but i don't think that you should default hasn't worked in five years oh god (laughs) yeah i don't think you should default to shortcutting yourself shortchanging yourself but you know i make what you're worth but at the same time it's like it it reminds me of it's not quite wrestling with shadows where Bret Hart didn't he sign like a ten or fifteen 20, year 
20 year deal. Like that is short-sighted because like whole economical changes happen like in society over 20. Like you should. Well, in Brett's case, it was just that he he felt so much loyalty and he didn't want to leave because he oh. loved, he, he, cause he loved, he, you know, he thought, he thought Levence is like a father figure to him. So for sure. You know, We're family. Was, We're family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was that thing. So yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying like obviously that's a that's a very extreme case, but it is kind of like that was so long ago now that that deal would have been up five years ago if they had if they had honored it. <laughs> oh my god, that is horrifying to think about. Ugh. Okay, well you know what MJF he he truly does deserve to be paid what he's worth. Um, but I also yeah. think like hopefully there's a way they can get there. You know I don't think it's like a well, just get prepared to leave in 2024. I think that they hopefully can work this out. I hope so. I think he's. he's I think he's worth. I think he's worth. I think he's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want him to be miserable for his last two years. You know. Yeah. I. It's hard. I'll admit, like as I think about this, it's really hard for me to be totally sympathetic because i'm like you're probably getting paid so much money to obviously do a great job but like you're a wrestler and when do you wrestle almost never (laughs) (laughs) it's like but you know what like but tony's the booker you know tony's the one who's deciding that it's not mjf it's true. That's what I'm saying. Is like it seems like you've got kind of a really sweet deal i know you could (laughs) theoretically be making more but also like I, it's the Midwesterner in me of like, why don't you be happy with what you have? <laughs> you have it better than a lot of people. Why don't you just appreciate it? Um, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, okay. Taking a sharp turn from that segment. Um, we're going to go backstage where Trent and Rocky Romero are here together to let us know that Rapongi Vice is back together. Which I felt like, oh, Chuck, oh, no. What it, oh no, Chuck! Um, but you know they they thought they were retiring, or as a team at least, or breaking up. I don't remember what the exact stipulations were, but they're back now. They're going to be together, and their first move is to go after the ROH World Tag Team Championship, and then after that, perhaps the IWGP Heavyweight Championship or Tag Team Championship, and then finally, oddly, the last thing they will attempt is the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Um, yeah. You gotta build up your confidence to the, you know. So, um, shortly after this promo aired, Trent tweeted out, we're going to answer questions on BTE. Do a BTE mailbag now and ask us something. And, which A, is very exciting, because the best friends BTE mailbags are the best BTE mailbags by far. It's been so long since any mailbag, but yes, they are. I know. I miss BTE mailbag, honestly. Um, But, Chuck responded to this tweet by saying... Greg just dumped me on live TV. Ask me anything. <laughs> I love it. I love his vibe. I love that he he just. <laughs> to which to which to which Trent then uh, tweeted in response: "Best friends are also still together full time." <laughs> Trent, which we talked about before. <laughs> which we've talked about before. I do think I I cannot think of another example of. A person who had who was in two like active tag teams at the same time 
Yeah, I mean, generally, because <laughs> that's, it. you know, it's hard to do. Yeah. Uh, but with Rocky being in New Japan, it, it's like, oh, well, you, you're splitting your time between two companies. not like, oh, I'm just hanging out with two different people in the same company. Yeah, though I feel like we're about to have a lot of New Japan stuff in the next, like, here coming up after uh, after Double or Nothing's over. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Open that forbidden door. Give Tanahashi money for that. He coined it. You should. I I don't know why I'm advocating for Tanahashi's uh, financial situation, but I just feel like he needs credit, you know? Also... You understand that he's the ace and he deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a nice man. Um, if you're getting that sweet thunderstorm ASMR in the background, I apologize. I love it. Okay, good. It's very atmospheric. It's really picking up. I think I'm gonna have to shut the window if it gets too loud. Because my God, oh, no. it's it's coming down. I hope you don't lose power. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, it's really coming down. Okay. Um. So from there. Back to the show. We're going to go to our next Owen Hart Championship Tournament quarterfinal match of the night. This is the second of three. No. Four? Four. Um, Kyle O'Reilly versus Ray Phoenix. Their styles are the polar opposite of each other, and that's why it works really well. Um, God damn, these two had an awesome match. So good. Like, like it wasn't... I, I mean, obviously, I, I think... Takeshita and Hangman was better, but this was fantastic too. This would have been on most weeks. This would have been the match of the night by far. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like genuinely like this show is so good. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, we'll get to it. It kind of falls off a cliff at the end, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk Look, about I, it. I was really excited at this point. Okay. <laughs> um, Me too. Yeah. Uh, so Kyle, I. Kyle is obviously more of a like ground move kind of dude and Phoenix is he flies. So um I loved the contrast there. Kyle immediately got on the ground and did his thing where he's like like we all swim down here. <laughs> we all float down here. Come on, Ray. Come on. And Ray did not take the bait and instead Get in my guard. Yeah. <laughs> Come hang out in my guard. Doesn't that look comfortable? <laughs> yeah. Um Ray Ray try to avoid this but i do feel like kyle kyle got the better of him pretty much like the first half of the match he was he was dominating mm-hmm. um and then ray made a comeback and and got some of his high flying moves in but like good lord these two i don't know if they were just kayfabing it they looked exhausted they looked like they were giving it their all it was awesome um and eventually Kyle did get Ray to tap out, but he had to like he I think he like put him in an arm bar and then when that wasn't working, he also like weirdly grabbed his leg and so it was like one side of Ray was just like clamped on by Kyle. Yeah, it was like it was like a combination arm bar leg lock. Yeah. It was intense. It was um, very cool. Ray had some like as usual, like his timing is exquisite. Um oh. like on some of the kicks that he landed were just Absolutely picture perfect. And he, he, I, I don't know, like a guy who's that good. And I know he gets hurt a lot. So maybe that's the issue, but like, God, I like, I really think he could be like a singles main eventer. Now, I'm sure you know more about their history 
than I, but um, since they're actual brothers, would he yeah. and, would he and Pento like separate or maybe not break up in a contentious way, but take a break as a team and like do singles? Or is this like a Young Buck scenario where it's like we're never ever going to split? They've done singles other places, like you know, like they were both like they didn't. I don't think they did much, if any, Lucha Brothers in, in Lucha Underground. Not um, what I saw, but I I only saw like when they first showed up. Yeah, so but, I mean, they've certainly done. They've certainly been singles wrestlers in the past. Okay, yeah, Ray could Ray could have a run. Although while he was out injured, I really grew more fond of Penta than I've been. So I don't. know. They're both great. Um, After the match, I don't recall there being a ton of chopping, but Kyle's chest was an absolute mess. It was so gross and red and a little lacerated, and uh, it was just, just tough to look at. But Kyle, I think, had a genuinely emotional moment about moving on in an Owen Hart tournament because he is Canadian and probably loves the hell out of everything heart family and mm-hmm. i just thought that was really nice for him to like break from like the bad guy character and just just be happy and sort of like cry a little oh. good for yeah. him yeah. <sighs> okay so we follow that match up with the face-to-face confrontation between william regal and chris jericho the whole Blackpool Combat Club is here, except for Willie Yuta, who is currently competing in the New Japan Super Juniors Tournament, hoping to bring that back to America, I believe Excalibur said. Um, they're also joined by Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, who walk in with Moxley and do kind of a very cool uh, shot from the back where Moxley walks by on his way to the ring and they just are hanging out like cool guys and and they join him on his way. So they walk out with him. And then the Jericho Appreciation Society walks out. But they stop on the stage and immediately demand that Judas, the song, be stopped. Because the crowd is enjoying singing along to it too much. While also not appreciating the Jericho Appreciation Society the way they expect. Uh, they're so mad that the crowd cheered last week during the attack on them. So I guess... Judas is off limits for now, even though the crowd insisted upon singing it through the first part of Jericho's promo, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. It's going to be hard to wean him off that. Yeah. I mean, Jericho yelled at them to shut up, but that's like the op. Like, of course, they sung louder after that, but it's good stuff. Um, Jericho says that he knows the attack last week was orchestrated by William Regal. And he immediately starts insulting Regal in some very personal ways. (laughs) He brings up his health. He brings up his addiction issues in the past and how he's been fired from all the companies he's worked for. And then he follows that up by insulting um, first Santana and Ortiz, who he says were too stupid to appreciate what he gave them. Then Eddie Kingston, who he says was too stupid to stay home after Jericho burned him in the face because he's a wizard. And... (laughs) He gets to Brian Danielson, and I guess the best he has is, you're a squeaky clean nerd. And I was like, that's not that. Okay. Okay. 
Um, Not much you can really zing Brian Danielson on. I truly was waiting when he got to Danielson. I'm like, what are you going to say? Because everybody loves this guy and he's legitimately talented. And it's like, what are you going to say? And that's what he came up with, which was tough. Um, He did. Then he went on to double insult Regal and Moxley. And he said, if he sticks with Regal, Brian will start, uh, or Regal will start shoving drugs and drink down his throat and quote, until you've got to join the program with Moxley. At which point I legitimately gasped. (laughs) And uh, they cut to this woman in the crowd who just like had her hand over her mouth and her eyes were wide. And I'm like, "Uh Oh, that's me. Um, All, all I could think was Moxley ain't going to meetings. (laughs) He's not, he's not, he's not not working the program. (laughs) (laughs) You know, go I can see Moxley in a. I don't know how much experience you have with AA, but like, I cannot see Moxley in an AA meeting. <laughs> I can't see him just reacting well if if it got to him and people were like, "So who wants to share?" John, you haven't spoken in a while. I could just see him like standing up and silently leaving. <laughs> it doesn't seem yeah. like his scene. I don't know. No, um, I don't think so. I thought that was just that was like fucking dark, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then Jericho, I mean, Jericho said, you know, like, if you're not careful, I might piss in your tea again. Ugh. Which is something that um, he, you know, fake did in WWF in 2001. Yeah, well, you think. And the crowd reacted like, you know, this is a crowd that obviously knew about that. So that was interesting. I didn't know it, but it was clear enough to me that, like, this was a reference to something that had happened yeah, in the past. So I'm like, okay, that's probably a segment or something. Um, so all that being said, Regal is like, okay, Chris Jericho, um, fair, fair play. You may have hit on some truths about my past. But he says the one thing that kept him going, and he describes this in such detail, and I will not do it, um, is that essentially he just, uh, he, every show that he and Jericho were on together, he just went in the locker room and took his toothbrush and put it up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> he specifically said, stuck it up my bottom, which <laughs> made it, I... It's so I don't like this was this was dumb, but I think if anybody but William Regal had been delivering this, it would have been so much dumber. <laughs> like some he was somehow able to kind of like at least half save this. Yeah, it, he looked really proud of himself. I was like, what is that? And Jericho, to, to his credit, he looked horrified. And then when he started talking in response, he paused for a minute and like kind of like picked at his tongue. And it was like, oh, gross. Um, also, uh, Daniel Garcia tried to be like, whoa, this is really crossing a line, old man. And then Regal's like, I did it to your toothbrush last week. So <laughs> he was so <laughs> horrified. He called him flower. Yes. <laughs> yes. A lot of stuff happening in the segment. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jericho is like, all right. He he. Picks at his tongue, which isn't going to fix if your toothbrush has been up another man's bum, but whatever. And he says, you know, the BCC wants a fight, so I'm going to just give you one. And I think at double or nothing, 
that we should do the third installment of Stadium Stampede. But before he can get the word stadium out, Moxie cuts him off and, is, and just goes, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that shit. And <laughs> he acknowledges that the Stadium Stampede match had its time and place, but he's not getting sucked into Jericho's sports entertainment vortex, and he will not do it. I thought that was really funny because the crowd, like, the crowd, when, when Jericho was, like, about to announce Stadium Stampede, you could see the crowd. They were like, oh, fuck, yeah. And then, like, when Moxley, like, was like, no, that's fucking stupid. They were also like, yeah. <laughs> we, we like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moxley's like, I'm not doing that shit. Um, and instead. I still think, like, even though, even though, like, that is a cinematic match and kind of a relic of the pandemic era, I still think it would not be a bad idea if they did like like maybe the next time they did Daily's place they could do like a themed dynamite that is like built around a stadium stampede match or something you know oh for sure like i they should it, not abandon it forever no i was when it looked like jericho was leading to that i'm like i don't know that i can see the bcc doing like eh, it's not really their style of match but like i'm not against the stadium stampede i just don't think I don't think this is the opponent of choice for that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to that point, Moxley's like, no, nah, I want violence and anarchy, and you can call it whatever you want. I think he suggests anarchy in the re- arena, but he wants an anything-goes match. And he wants to make these people bleed, and that's very on-brand for him. So, Did you see the, the gif I sent you? I did. Regal, um, <laughs> it's Regal. There's Regal, there's Regal uh, drinking the piss tea. He, you know, he looks grossed out, but he also remains proper. Ugh. 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 No to piss tea. No to piss tea. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think uh, Moxley did not give Jericho the option to say no to that, so this is happening. Um, Jericho, though, does his damnedest to try and sow some discontent among the, the BCC before he does anything else. He says... Moxie and Santana had an eye for an eye match. Like, that was the last time they met in the ring. Santana looks like, you know, care. And Moxie's not paying attention anymore. I, I don't even, he's just, like, pacing somewhere in the back. And then um, he says, hey, hey, uh, Daddy Magic, what did, uh, what did Brian call Eddie Kingston? And he's like, lazy. And then he goes, oh, what did Eddie call Brian in response? And he's like, a judgmental prick. And then Eddie, who has been, like, getting annoyed by all this... He looks at Daniel Bryan and he, or Brian Danielson and he goes, "You are a judgmental prick." And he just like <laughs> kind of shrugs and Daniel or Brian Danielson's like, "Okay, whatever." Um and then Eddie this, like, this crowd loved Eddie Kingston by the way. He he's very uh magnetic, I don't know. Like he he's so so much personality even when he's not speaking. Um Here's my question for you, Megan. Were we wrong about him for years, or did he get better? I think he got better. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to think that too, because <laughs> I don't want to be that wrong. <laughs> I, look, we could be wrong, but I don't remember him displaying this much personality. And yeah. also, we're only working off like one live Chikara match we saw him in, where it was like, you're not great. But that was right. many, many years ago. Like, you think Lucha Underground was long ago? Chikara, 
live shows for us was oof, it's it's a lot. It was a decade ago. Yeah. So I think he got better. Okay. Um, so yeah, at this point, Eddie's like pissed. He's like, I'm tired of all this talking. I just want to fight. This is what I do. I fight. And so he says, Come on, guys, get in the ring and fight. And Jericho is like, mm, no. Like, of course he's not gonna get in the ring and fight. <laughs> he doesn't feel like it right now. So he starts to walk away, and then Eddie's like, Okay, well, I'm just gonna follow you. And he goes to go after them, but Brian steps in front of him and sort of, like, stops him from chasing them. And then Eddie, like, gets a little mad about this, and they start, like, kind of shoving each other. And at first I was worried, but then I'm like, well, he's not in the Blackpool Combat Club, technically. So I, I Moxley had to step in and be like, separate them. But I was like, we can't break this group up before it's even started. Um, but... You can you can eventually break up the Eddie and Santana and Ortiz friendship part of it. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But yeah. It ended in a little bit of disarray. <sighs> okay. So apparently while that was going on during that match. Not match. Um, segment. Matt Seidel. Uh-oh. There was an errant crack. That's number, that's number three, isn't it? You know what? You don't need to Tony Claw count my white claws. Did you say Tony Claw? <laughs> I think I did. You don't need to Tony Claw me, okay? <laughs> you don't need to Tony Claw me. Was- yeah, this is watermelon lime, still of the surf variety. Before I had the tropical palmetto. Palmetto? Yeah, okay. maybe. Cool. These beers are, I gotta say, these beers are getting on top of me. Yeah, I could tell. What do you mean you can tell? <laughs> Jenny's You're starting like, to interrupt tell. a little bit. Well. You should. I just go out on fun monologues, dude. <laughs> That's what we do. All right. Speaking of which. Uh, during that segment, Matt Seidel and Dante Martin backstage apparently watching this. And I don't know why they decided to poke this bear. But um, Matt Seidel's like, look at these guys obsessed with violence. What are they doing? And and Dante Martin's like, the Blackpool Combat Club, they don't understand how high flyers like us work. And so they, like, challenge them to a match on Rampage, and I just, I don't understand the sort of masochistic move that they've decided to do. This is very wacky of them. <laughs> and it felt very out of place on this show, but I guess they had to set up a match for two nights later, so. Yeah, it was it's such Dynamite. a flimsy reasoning uh rampage rather by the way 7 p.m this week yes that's better but it's not good that they keep moving it yeah well i don't think they can really help it basketball so yeah that's um that just seems like asking to get your ass kicked but i guess that's what they're doing um after that we've got a uh Owen Hart Championship Tournament quarterfinal for the ladies. And this is Brit's match where we're going to find out who the Joker is. Turns out it is Maki Ito. And she gets a really good reception. She's very charismatic. Oh, yeah. She is really fun to watch. Um, Brit sees her and is like, oh, great. My friend Maki. Like, love her. We tagged together before. It's going to be great. Even the clip. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, this rules. Okay. So Britt is not, you know, she has a moment where she's just like, oh, happy. And she hugs her. And then 
the bell rings and Maki lays down and the crowd freaks out because they're like, oh, no, we're not going to get to see a match. Brewster's going to get the pin. And then <laughs> Brick goes for it and Maki's like, uh-uh-uh. And she, like, <laughs> tries to roll her up. And that doesn't succeed, but I do appreciate that she was like, this is a good way to trick Brit. Um, and then they proceed to have a really fun, funny match. Maki Ito is charismatic as hell. She has a really hard head, apparently. And I don't know. It was just a lot of fun to watch. But Brit, Brit is the one who comes out of this with the win. She does her lockjaw and gets to move on in the tournament. But I was, I was glad to see Maki Ito. Me too. It was, it was, it was, I was happy to see her. I um, hadn't seen her since the... Um... The tournament, the uh, yeah. U.S. and uh, Japan tournament. Yeah. Um, they, they had that, uh, there was a spot early on where Maki stomped on Brit's foot and, like, wouldn't let her go anywhere. And they did a couple of repetitions of this where, like, Brit would try to get away, but Maki was just pressing down on it. And the crowd wasn't really reacting, and I was just thinking, like, oh, this is, like, too goofy for them. And then Maki Ito gave her the finger and the crowd erupted. <laughs> All you have to do is flip somebody off, and the crowd will go. I don't Victoria. get it. I don't. We're we're don't... a simple people here in America. <laughs> I thought the foot thing was really funny. I mean, I did too. But like you know, they weren't going for it, and then but then you know she like she leveled it up by giving her the finger, so it worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. I hope she uh, gets to stick around because I'm not sure she... how travel works now, but. She she's in the states doing some indie dates. I know that, um, but I don't know. Like I don't know if she's gonna like go to head out to Vegas next week for all the stuff. That'd be that'd be nice to see her on one of those shows. You know, they're gonna be in Vegas for like what three straight shows. So, and uh, before when she was here, there was basically like what like a two week where you period where you kind of just had to be here or. I don't know. Yeah, what was it? That the doesn't two exist anymore. Was yeah. Okay, so like there's no reason, but I hope she sticks yeah. around. She's fun. I, yeah, it would be nice to see her again. Yeah. She's fun. I hope she makes I hope she like hangs out with the Dark Order on BTE. Yeah, she needs to like whip those boys into shape. I think Anna J yeah. is like, I can't deal with you, weirdos. And your love for Adam Page. I feel bad for Anna J because like She's not. It doesn't seem like she's like that tight with the, with the Dark Order anymore. And also, like her best friend is, you know, in the world's worst couple now. So, but she can't say anything about it because it's like you gotta support your friend unless Sammy is openly abusive to her. I watched. I, I did watch Sammy's vlog this week, um, and there was he made a ref. There was like kind of a joke in the early like minutes of it about how views have been down since Sammy and Ty got together. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's not because you're a couple, it's because you're an obnoxious couple. <laughs> That's right. There's a vibe and it's annoying. Yeah. Oh well. Hoping to see Maki Ito some more. Um, but for now in the women's division, we've got a different thing happening. Um we see Tony Schiavone, he's out in the ring, and he's, I guess, they're just to hype up Double or Nothing, as if we haven't heard that pay-per-view name a thousand times yet on this show. Um, but he's quickly interrupted by Serena Deeb, who is really mean to him for no reason. Well, for a reason, she's 
invented. Um, she says she's tired of hearing Tony talk because basically he sounds like an idiot after what he said in the promo video last week for the match with her and Thunder Rosa. He said that he predicted Thunder Rosa would win. And Serena Deeb took that as you are the worst and I have no faith in you. She got really mad about it. Um, Tony's like, I, I don't, I just, you, it's not that you can't win. You might win. I just picked Thunder Rosa and that's, uh, that's all it was. And so Serena's like, I hate you. You suck. You're an idiot. And then she calls out Dustin Rhodes as well, who, um, she lumps into that group of people talking mess and Dustin comes out and then Serena is just like, look, you know how much I've had to do and how many dues I had to pay to get where I am today. And I can't believe that you're like not on my side. And there's part of me that's like, oh, there's like a nugget of realness in here that I I don't think works for this particular argument you're making. But I do think needs to be said. And I wish that there was a different time for you to say it. But um, basically, Serena's been through a lot to get where she is today. And Dustin's just like, you know, sorry. Um, and then Thunder Rosa finally has had enough of this. And she comes running out. To confront Serena, Dustin steps in to try and stop her and ends up getting elbowed in the face as he picks her up. Uh, and so Thunder Rose is like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And she goes to help him, and this distracts her enough so that Serena can clock her with the championship belt that she'd carried out. And then Serena walks up the ramp backwards holding the title up, and I don't know if she ever gave it back or if this is a Adam Cole Red Dragon theft situation, but we don't see what happens to the title. No, I did feel for uh, Serena Deeb during this promo because she she did seem to be trying to like say some very real things about like how her career went and how she was treated and how fucked up it is that yes she was the most over woman in Ohio Valley wrestling and could not get a developmental contract until she went and got a boob job yeah mm-hmm. um and that's real that's messed up that is. Uh, but unfortunately, she's not a very good promo. <laughs> so no, she kind she of tried. conveyed that she tried hard, but like they're just, I don't know. There's just something missing there. You, I don't know. Her voice like shook a little bit sometimes. Like, I, I don't know if she yeah. was nervous or um, just, I don't know. Sometimes her voice does that. So, but yeah, I did feel a little bit. It wasn't like fully natural. But I agreed with what she was saying. I did too. I did too. Hey, I have uh, I have some breaking news. Uh oh. From um, the HBO series Hacks. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Some, the it's, um, no. it's a, like a comedy series on HBO. It's starring Gene Smart about the stand-up comedy industry. Uh, apparently, there in the episode that uh, debuted tonight or yesterday, there was an AEW reference. <gasps> During a scene where a mother is asking, and this is from uh, the Figure Four Online board, but I saw someone else reference it, so I think it's true. Um, a mother is asking her son if she could still like, like text his ex because I guess she had a good relationship with the ex and they oh, broken tough. up. Tough, yeah. And I guess he said, I don't know, I don't know what he said, but the reference is, well, if Roman Reigns ever goes to AEW, then can I text him? And was the mom supposed to understand <laughs> Like No, I think the mom said that. Oh. Whoa. Oh. She's like a really in touch mom. Apparently. 
Oh, damn. All right. HBO Weird, has right? writers uh, <laughs> apparently on the pulse of the pop culture. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Well, I feel for Serena Deeb. I uh, I thought she would. I don't know. I thought she was better at promoing. Maybe she's been in a lot of like pre-produced videos. Um, but yeah, I still think she's gonna have a hell of a match. Yeah, this this probably would have been better served to be one of those like Jim Ross sit down interview things. Yeah, those are always really good. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, I I don't think that the next part goes better. But we are at the main event. And I, I kind of want to let Andy run this show because it is his guy, Jeff Hardy, up against Adam Cole in the my Owen guy. Hart. He's your guy. Certainly not Megan and I, guys. Uh, he, this is the Owen Hart Championship Tournament, court, like the the quarter, final quarterfinal? Um, semifinals. Is this a semifinal already? Th- this one is, yes. Oh, shit. Okay. So we've done. Okay. Yes. This is. But you know, Kyle versus Phoenix and Joe versus Elite were quarterfinals, but this is a semifinal. Oh shit! Okay, okay. Yeah. So the winner of this is like going to the pay per view to be in the finals of the tournament. And luckily, <laughs> that person is Adam Cole. <laughs> that person is Adam Cole. Um, this was. This it was this was very clearly rushed. They must have gone long. Some something must have gone long on this show, because these two did a. I, I think their match started at about nine fifty one. It was very late. I was like, "Holy shit, what are we doing here?" Like there yeah. was like less than ten minutes left. Yeah, and it was not very good. It was it was rushed. It was sloppy. Um, it was I mean, it was mostly Jeff Hardy's fault, obviously, because you know. Um, he's just, I was really disappointed and, and maybe it's, and maybe it's a consequence of like him going so hard last week and you just can't, he just, you know, he can't do that that often anymore to give him credit. Like I, I mean, I think a lot of people would be in pain from jumping off a 12 foot ladder, even higher up in a ring onto chair or no, having somebody do that to you. Like I, I don't want to like downplay his pain, but yeah, like maybe it's not a great time to come back next week, you know? Yeah. And they did the spot where like that Adam Cole always likes to do where somebody does a, like a, a dive or a flip and then he super kicks them out of the air and like just totally missed this one. And, but they, they pretended like it, <laughs> it landed, you know? Mm. And I, I don't know. I was, it was really sad. Uh, it made me, I don't know, it made me sad as, 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 a, as a person who's been a Jeff Hardy fan for, God, almost 25 years at this point. Um, yeah, it was it was a little sad to see. And, and I, I thought, I did think afterwards when they did, because the, Adam got the win and the Young Bucks came down and they did a big angle and, and the Elite beat down on the Hardy boys. And, and it's very clear we're getting Bucks versus Hardys the pay-per-view. And I thought to myself, okay, the Bucks are going to, the Bucks are going to kill themselves to bend over backwards drag, to drag a great match out of the Hardy Boys. Yeah, but I believe they can. I believe they are capable of doing it. And I think they will. But I also thought, thank God, they they need to, this match needs to happen now because if you wait like any longer, 
like Jeff might turn to dust like <laughs> or something. Midair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I do think they're going to have a great match at the pay-per-view, and I think it's going to be like 95% because of the Young Bucks. But, uh, but yeah, this was, I, you know, Jeff, Jeff just doesn't have it anymore. And I, I really want to emphasize how okay that is. Like, it I, is okay. It is okay, but it makes me sad. Yes, yes. I just I don't think it's good generally to like be down on people being their age because that's like you can. Jeff Hardy has made some interesting choices in his life that make his current age probably like at least twenty more. Like just in in like a a state of like physical health of probably 20 years beyond what he actually is so like it's understandable yeah. it is okay but it, it all it is also like it's hard to watch knowing that it's like man don't you want to just like not hurt yourself for this when it's not looking as I mean, good as you used to look and and as i'm sure you want it to look you know and this is and this, and this is kind of a thing that's unique about pro wrestling right because it's 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 predetermined so in the NBA, if a star player gets too old and can't play at the same level they used to, they don't make the team anymore, you know? <laughs> like, so that you don't have to watch them out there way past their prime. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a real sport. Yes. That's that's exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, it's, I know. It, I'm, I, and, no, and this is not a real sport. That, right. That's exactly what yeah, I said. I know. Okay, why'd you need to restate it? <laughs> you restate everything that we say. Uh-oh, it's okay. drunk over here. Um, I will say, though, that, like, uh, again, like, I don't hate Jeff Hardy. I just think it's hard to watch sometimes. That's all I'm saying. And not because, you know, he's inherently bad, just because his body is breaking and it's, uh, it's rough. Um, but... To echo your sentiment, like, I do think the Young Bucks, if anyone, is capable of, like, like, they have enough savvy and, like, planning to structure a match in a way that will hide this, I guess, or at least minimize it, you know? Yeah, I, I just think Jeff needs to, definitely needs to not wrestle between now and Double or Nothing. <laughs> just let him, let him rest his body as much as possible for the next ten days. Yeah. So that was dynamite. What a way to. Oh, well, also, just it should be stated that after this match, Adam won. And um, while nobody interfered during the match afterwards, like uh, it breaks down pretty quick because ultimately the Bucks come out. They distract the Hardys. Adam hits them and then it breaks down. Everybody starts fighting. Red Dragon joins the fray. Sting and Darby come out. Poor Sting. I feel like. <laughs> I can't believe I'm yeah. saying this. Poor Sting just gets like absolutely just assaulted. Like they put his foot in the chair in that way. That's like, we're going to break your ankle. And then Kyle jumped on it with his knee. Um, but they, I'm kind of surprised at how much they allowed Sting to just be beaten down. I mean, it was a lot of people. This made me think that Sting's not going to be on the pay-per-view, which I think would be the first pay-per-view he hasn't been on since he's been back does darby have something to do on the no, pay-per-view so i was trying to figure out like what are what is sting and darby's role with this pay-per-view and 
our our friend Jeff, he did say to me, he said, like, maybe it's them versus Red Dragon, which would mean Joe would have to beat Kyle next week. To take him out of the mix. Yeah, okay. Right. But you could do that. Um but that's the only thing that's the only thing that I could like that could really make sense based on what they've done so far. And I can't I can't see them leaving Darby off the pay per view. Although I guess if they do a battle royal, he could be in that. Yeah, but even so, like, do you need to murder Sting? I mean, can't he just be Darby's like cornerman, like for any of these purposes? I suppose so. I will say that at sixty two years old or whatever, Sting is Sting is much more much better at being Sting than Jeff Hardy is at being Jeff Hardy right now. <laughs> it's true. It's so odd how often Sting comes up as like kind of the epitome of what you want to be when you were an older yeah. wrestler. <laughs> um guys. What's up? Let's not forget what happened. Jenny will never let what happened. Like I, I agree that Sting is having an excellent run in AEW, <laughs> but let us not forget the disastrous run he had in WWE. Jenny will never get ago. those those minutes of her life back. I want to say, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just Jeff is having that run right now. I get, I get, but but then again, he had that great match against Darby last week, and I understand it was because he was just like, well, I'm gonna hurt for like six months after this, but but, but then <laughs> I'm you gonna shouldn't. Do it have a match the following week that's tony's fault yes yeah i mean you're right yeah. tony claw no i mean i'm sure there also <laughs> is an element of jeff hardy like being like no i want to do this you know yeah sure for yeah definitely well i mean he always has an element of of that right yes that's part of his addictive personality right yeah no that's fair it's not controversial to say that okay. Jeff Hardy has a addictive personality. <laughs> I didn't think it was, but no one said anything. And I was like, oh, no, did I say something wrong? No, no, no. Oh. So that was Dynamite. And I thought I thought it was a really strong first, like, hour and a half. And then kind of like a petered out there at the end with the Serenity promo and the main event. I will say I had to watch this today broken up into chunks because I just couldn't, like, I didn't have open time and so Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it in like pieces and with breaks you know the second half didn't hit as hard as far as the disappointment (laughs) (laughs) it was it was really only like the last quarter yeah 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 but uh but yeah so that's that is dynamite and uh that wraps us up except for the elite beat plug of the week Uh-oh, I see Jenny's uh, face she's got that cage on let's let's uh Megan you go first this week all right okay so I've got a random one um and this comes from this is a secondary like recommendation from the ladies of too scary didn't watch um it's a podcast called dead eyes and uh, <gasps> I listen to dead eyes yes okay so how far in With it? Connor Ratliff? Yeah. Did you listen to all of it? Yeah. Oh, I haven't yet. Don't spoil it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, no, uh, I started listening to it because of uh, the recommendation from the other podcast. And I just, like, conceptually was like, this is really weird. So I I wrote down the official description because I don't 
know that I could do it justice as far as like what it is. So the official yeah. description is actor comedian Connor Ratliff embarks upon a quest to solve a very stupid mystery that has haunted him for two decades. Why Tom Hanks fired him from a small role in the 2001 HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. It's yep. I kind of love that concept. It's it it is a fabulous show. I mean, that feels like something that I wouldn't do a podcast about, but like Jenny would rule my life for 20 years. Jenny, this is and and that's like it it like hit me deep. Cause yes, Jenny, you and I are very similar, and I thought this is a Jenny and me thing. But like, so that's the description. But then, okay, so for more context, he was cast in an episode of Band of Brothers that happened to be the one where Tom Hanks was the director. And so he read, or like, he didn't read, he did the lines in front of Tom Hanks. And then, like, somebody pulled him aside and was like, Tom Hanks is going to need to let you go because he says that you have dead eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> so, like, it is so amazing. And I really, really, really like it because you would think that somebody who had this happen to them could go very bitter. But the tone of this podcast is so light and funny. Like, he has comedians and other, like, Hollywood people who are tangential to this whole thing. Like, the Band of Brothers episode series and that sort of thing as guests. And and they end up being really vulnerable and opening up about their acting disappointments. And, um, and his take on this is, like, like, he's had 20 years to kind of process it at this point. So he never sounds bitter. He just... He just kinds of look kind of looks at it reflectively and like almost in a with an element of like curiosity that is it's not positive, but it's not negative. You know, like I feel like he's approaching it with like open eyes and and not bitter. And at no point does anybody say they hate Tom Hanks. Like the the reputation of Tom Hanks as being a nice guy is never ruined. <laughs> and I just How I'm so excited. Three seasons. <laughs> So I, I wrote it down. There are 31 episodes that are like a half an hour long. And they were released over the course of January 2020 to up until March of this year, which I assume is the end because spoiler. No, it's coming back. Oh, it's coming back. Okay. I didn't listen to the last one because I'm not there yet. But the last episode currently released as of today mm -hmm. is he gets to talk to Tom Hanks. Yes, he does. And I am. I just saw. I I just looked it up, and I saw that like talks to Tom Hanks. Yep. And I was like, whoa! I yeah. am so excited to to get to that point. Like, I'm still really early on, but I like it. Just touches my soul. Like, I identify with his his vibe. I guess, like, just how this was handled. Only I feel like I would be oh, um, less healthy about it. <laughs> I am downloading some episodes so I can listen to some on my walk and. The description of one of them says, when a global pandemic hits, Connor loses another show business job and moves back in with his parents. <laughs> what a mood, am I right? Um, yes. So this, this feels like a mood for me podcast based off of that. I think a lot of people did that during the pandemic, though. Yeah. Um, there, there is a great episode, Megan. Um, it's it, it, it'd been like probably like a couple months before the 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 season finale. Where it's 
Zach Braff, Adam Scott, and David Crumholtz are the guests oh and like God. separate separate segments, but like because they were also all they also all auditioned for Band of Brothers and were not cast. <laughs> oh my okay. Oh, this is so yeah. fun. Oh yeah. Oh it's it's so great. And okay, here's here's something here's something interesting. There is a big blank check tie-in to uh Dead Eyes because Connor Ratliff, uh the other uh, kind of pod. Well, it's not a podcast. It's a YouTube show that he does. Is uh, called the the George Lucas Talk Show, where he plays George Lucas every week, and Griffin Newman of Blank Check plays his sidekick, Watto, the uh, oh, no. okay. the junk dealer from uh, from the Phantom Menace. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny actually. So. Oh yeah, so. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, this really, it it struck me at the right time. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I started listening and I'm like, there are other people who have this neuroses. Okay, great. Love it. Um, And also, like, just as a side note, something that came out of this, being an actor sounds awful. Like, if you, <laughs> if you succeed and you strike gold, great. But, like, for the average, like, majority of the people, it sounds like, you get rejected for jobs because how you look, how you sound, there's just an intangible quality that you don't fit. And like that sort of rejection that is based purely on like external circumstances would destroy me. Me too. I, I listened to the Office Ladies podcast with uh, Jenna Fisher and, and Angela Kinsley. Yep. And um, I always want to call her Angela Martin, but that's not her real name. <laughs> Um, and they talk about that sometimes too, about just like feedback they've gotten and like how hard it is to make it in like Hollywood. And I guess uh, Jenna Fisher was up for like actually the alias role that Jennifer Gardner got. And she said her auditions went really well, but the feedback was that quote unquote, she wasn't hot enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I wouldn't be able to deal with that like rejection and feedback <laughs> well also like the script like the in the script the character descriptions because he like goes he's he's a character actor so i'm gonna go with it's not unfair to say he's not conventionally hot i looked him up um but he said that he gets things all the time where the description is like like it has nothing to do with the role but it just says like a portly man who looks like a slob or like something like that and he's just like why do you why does that need, like it, it's not relevant to the character? It's just like, hey, this guy playing this this role is gonna ha- need to be overweight, and it's like, what? So, he's that guy on Mrs. Maisel. Oh, he brings some weird energy <laughs> to Mrs. Jenny, Maisel. He specifically says, "I get a lot of auditions for weird creep guy roles." <laughs> like that's like his his pigeonhole. <laughs> like that's his, what he does. His. His embodiment of George Lucas on the George Lucas talk show, though, is so good. Okay. I'm just, yeah. like, I'm more floored by the fact that uh, somebody does Watto, Griffin does Watto for the whole episode. Like, yeah, does the voice and everything. Jesus, okay. <laughs> good lord. But he, but he plays him like, like, I mean, this is an old reference, but... Okay, I'll update the reference. He plays, it's like, he's like, he plays him like Andy Richter, you know? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say Ed McMahon, but yeah. I thought in during occasions of watching Mrs. Maisel that that guy had dead eyes. <laughs> well, he asks 
all of his guests, like, what would you, if you look at me, what do you think about my eyes? And none of them have said they're dead yet, so. But he's not in character there. He's not acting. Like, maybe, I don't know. I definitely felt like he had dead eyes, though, at certain points. Like, when the acting switch flips on, his eyes go dead. (laughs) Yeah. We can't emote with all of our face. (laughs) Too much energy. So, yeah. How many uh, episodes have you listened to? Um, I think I'm, like, eight in at this point. I just got past the bottle episode of uh, Gary the Masturbator. <laughs> so, are you are, are you really liking it? I am. It's it's very much, like, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I trust my two scary didn't wash girls. And, um... It has delivered. I don't trust their cut water recommendation. That was <laughs> true crime and cocktails. Oh, sorry. The two scary didn't watch girls uh, or women. I'm sorry. They're all adult women. Um, they do cocktail, like a cocktail segment, much like our pop of the week. But they uh, they do a unique cocktail. Uh, they've since retired it. I got to a point where they retired it because they're like, there's so many cocktails we've been through. We're running out at this point. Like, we're just going to start repeating with different names. So, um, because they would try to theme them to the movie. Oh, okay. Of the yeah. Yeah. So, there's a, a ton of cocktails there, but like, I'm, I'm too lazy to make a cocktail. I need something that's pre mixed. I'm, I'm not a cocktail girl. I, I want something that I open up and I pour into a glass. Yeah. Exactly. Like wine. I like Bloody Mary so much. Yeah. I'm never going to make you a Bloody Mary. <laughs> I know. Can you make We're a never going to have vodka in this home to make a bloody mary Andy. i guess i could just like i guess i could just buy the bloody mary stuff and make it myself yeah i yeah. don't think it would taste as good as like a store or like a restaurant one because they put probably a bunch of different things in there yeah i mean i've seen the bloody marys you get at restaurants it's like a meal on all the skewers sometimes yeah well you wouldn't have the skewer necessarily but i mean isn't the bloody mary itself like essentially tomato juice and vodka i think it's more than that and pepper like Tabasco and Worcestershire sauce and yeah, some other things, yeah. Okay. That's that's essentially it. Well, Megan, that's a really good recommendation because I, I I I also love the Dead Eyes podcast and I've listened to that whole thing. So and I'm I'm very, I mean, you're gonna love the Hanks episode. It's incredible. But uh, but you know, once we once once he comes back for season the next season, I'm uh, I, I don't even know what he's gonna do. But I yeah. I was gonna say if he has reached the pinnacle by interviewing tom hanks like like mystery solved right like but the podcast has to take a different direction at that point i'm, I'm excited well, to get there <laughs> don't spoil it for her no, no 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 i'm just i'm just saying like i think that don't say i'm not going to spoil it for her and then give you everything away like my mom does anytime she watches the show i'm okay. not going to spoil it for you but look <laughs> the kid is dead no, i think I think you're really, I think you're really going to continue to enjoy it because there's some, there's some pretty good guests coming up and everything. So yeah, I'm excited. I love, I love any time that um, anyone semi-famous clearly has neuroses that are similar to mine. It makes me feel <laughs> like I'm not alone. So yeah, uh, Jenny. So speaking of neuroses, <laughs> I, I did not watch any K dramas this week. Mm. I. I had an unfortunate, a couple bad ones that I started and then like didn't enjoy. And then it just felt like I wasn't up for trying another one. 
at this point. That's I will get the beauty back. of the K-drama, right? Like, like you get to find out and then you can bail if it's just not doing it for you. Yep, yep. So I will get back into the K-dramas, but I need a little bit of a break. I got a little bit, went too hard too fast and uh, and then had some ones that I wasn't super loving and just bailed on. Um, so I'll get back into it, but um, I have taken my Kindle, char- charged that little sucker up. It's not been in use for a while. And uh, um, have been reading out on our deck, uh, not deck, patio, um, nice. in the uh, weekends and evenings. And um, our very good friend, Lori Sharp Page, has published a book. And so I have been reading her book. It is called Conscious Coping. And um, it is, I've really been enjoying it. It's very personable. Like she tells a lot of anecdotes anecdotes and stories um, about her own, you know, her own struggles with it. She's kind of, um, she explains things by using like, an example and like taking you step by step through that example. Yeah, she's a licensed therapist. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say she, she has some licenses yeah. that I can't really remember what all the technical ones are, but she's a professional therapist. She is yeah. an MS, an LPCCS, and a CWC. I don't know what any of those mean, but she has three licenses. The LPCC is a licensed professional clinical counselor. Ah, um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's it's very easy to read. It's very educational and it's uh i feel like i'm i'm learning and it's enjoyable at the same time so conscious coping by Lori sharp page yeah good one yeah and i'm gonna be the andy of this segment and say i bought the kindle version and i have just recently started it so i'm not too far in yet but good to know that i'm gonna be coming upon it yeah, I uh, I also bought the Kindle version, um, but I bought the hard copy. It just wasn't going to arrive until – I don't know if Amazon prints hard copies, like, on demand, like um, the yeah. T-shirts. <laughs> but It's coming next week, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming at the end of this month. So, But I, I went ahead and I bought the Kindle so I could start reading for it. Sh- for shelves, we can have – for bookshelves. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have Lori sign it. There you go, yeah. Look at you. <laughs> So this conscious coping. I will uh, I will include a link in the uh, the podcast description this week for anyone to check it out. Okay, and that takes us to me. I, w- I want you guys to give me a little bit of runway. Okay, just a, just a, just have, a little bit. I don't know I what that means. Like a story. Are you gonna? I've never written a story. I just gonna... I have I have something that I need to recite to like lead into mine, and I just want you guys to just be a little bit patient. It's not very long, but. It's I'm gonna here feel for the like, ride, dude. It's gonna feel like okay. All right. I've got Kirkland, Old Vine, Zinfandel. Okay. Are you are you are you liking it? Claw? I'm really liking. Like I wish I had a, a Costco membership so I could get this. It's really, you're good. liking it that much? Oh, for ten bucks, this is primo. I love okay. it. I will the next time I'm there, I'll get another one for us to enjoy the next time you're up here. Thank you. Very chewy. <laughs> to call all that. Right. All right, here we go. We come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to laugh, to cry, to care, because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim and we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but 
somehow reborn together. (laughs) Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Our heroes feel like the best part of us. And stories feel perfect and powerful. Because here, they are. Oh my god. Uh, Megan got to mute herself during that recital. (laughs) I didn't. I was just silent. I was just silent. silent. I was respectfully silent. So when you go to an AMC theater now, and before the trailers start, you are treated to that uh, recitation by no no less than Nicole Kidman. What? Who, yes, she says all those words I just said, and much better than I did, because she's an amazing Oscar-winning actress. But, uh, so, I went back to the movies uh, this past weekend for the first time since let me and let me let me get it exactly let me pull oh, up my 2020 2020 movie long list. ago oh yes it will um for the first time since march 6th 2020 would you watch that day onward the uh the pixar film oh i thought it was the dead dog movie the dead dog the movie. harrison ford dead dog movie no the dog doesn't die in that harrison ford dies in that <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. Also, what? No, that's called the wild. I saw that on February twenty sixth. <laughs> but on March sixth, I I went to see Onward, um, which I really enjoyed. But but that was the last time I went to the theater. And even that day, I was sitting there thinking, like, I don't know if I should be here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> was it? What was the uh, crowd situation like? Like, were people it concerned? Very, yet? It was very. It was very empty, and I was okay. in a Dolby theater, so it was like one of the big auditoriums, and I still felt like. I don't know what's going on. This doesn't feel feel right. But anyway, so like, let me see. Twenty six months later, I I went back to the theater. Uh, I went with a couple of my buddies, Dave and Andrew. Dave has been on the show before. Um, I, I it just made me indescribably happy. Just to be back in the movie theater. It's like it's my like my favorite place on earth, you know, outside of my home. And uh I I saw the new Doctor Strange movie. I absolutely loved it. It was everything I wanted it to be out of it was it was so you know, they let Sam Raimi make his movie, um, which I just just made me really happy too. And and to see it there in that Dolby Digital cinema with, with the with the reclining seats and the and the great sound system and the incredible screen, I, I was just, it felt, it, it, it truly, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this, it felt, it was like a religious experience. It just felt so, it was, I felt, I felt so connected to the people in the room with me and it was just such a powerful feeling and God, I missed it. And, uh, and I can't wait to go back. So, so my recommendation my plug of the week is not so much Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, even though I loved it. It is like cinema. <laughs> cinema. <laughs> like going going to the cinema uh, would be my plug of the week. I God, I just what a, what a time. I uh, I'm I just just throw it out of my mind. You know, you know the um, 
too scary to bring it back to too scary didn't watch they talk about how horror movies especially are a thing that you should experience in the to quote you cinema um in a it it's like a they the way they talk about it is almost um to me jenny the way we feel or felt i guess it's been years now in concerts and and part of me like the the group energy in the room and like the experience that everybody's having together like part of me when they talk about that and the way you talked about this right now i am like like i hate going to the theater because i have a lot of uh, anxiety of the social variety but like it did it does make me think like that's that just sounds like a like a like an experience that uh actually would be really cool like really fun like i don't think i've seen a movie in the theater where people like you know, like that moment that you always watch from um, Endgame and, yeah. and people watching it in the theater where they all just like stood up and were like, oh, like that, that like bonding community moment. Like I've never been in a theater for that, but I do feel like it would be so fun to do that. And so like, like cinema. You didn't, you didn't, there was nothing like that. Um, Cause like the, the one example for you that I can think of is you saw that, um, that triple feature of uh, Nolan Batman movies, the night that Dark Knight Rises came out. Was there nothing that like really kind of united the crowd? I mean, it was, it was an event and like, you're probably pretty tired by then. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing is like everyone who was there, everyone who was like nuts enough to like sign on for that clearly loved the Batman movie. So the first two, everyone was just like, all right, we love these movies. And then the new one came on and it was started at midnight and it's like a, Fucking, like two and a half hour movie and yeah. so like at some point like i didn't fall asleep during it i was like very involved like i was locked in but like nobody was standing up it's like you know nobody was like freaking out it wasn't mm-hmm. scary or you like it wasn't it didn't have the gravitas of like that avenger moment where captain america picks up thor's hammer you know spoiler sorry for endgame um but like you know, Sorry there for, was, like, the one person who didn't see Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> like, it didn't have that type of moment. Um, so, like, yeah, I've been part of, like, that. But I, I do think, like, I get, like, you got choked up when you were describing going back to the theater to see Doctor Strange. And I, yeah. I don't I know, mean, like. You guys should hear him describe a Kevin Costner baseball movie. <laughs> it's the same reaction. Well, I think for all guys that, uh, <laughs> you know, that. But even Bull Durham. The baseball Bull effect on, on men. Bull Durham's not going to cry. Field of Dreams may be cry because he has a catch at the end of his dad. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And he, he says, hey, dad. And he says, hey, dad. You want to have a catch? And then he has a catch with his dad. <laughs> well that's lovely it is lovely jenny it wasn't just him like we watched it in a room full of dudes and like they it was like no i i i i totally understand no i'm just saying something there was something weirdly powerful about that scene you and i we looked at each other like and sipped our champagne and we're like what is happening but like (laughs) all of the men in the room were like it's really hitting home (laughs) yeah. So it's it's just not for us. <laughs> okay, so leap beat plugs of the week as we as we uh, get out of here as we try to get out of here under three hours. Uh, Dead eyes, a podcast. Find it where podcasts are 
podcasted. Coping. Conscious Coping. Conscious Coping. By Lori Sharp Page. And uh, going to the movies. Uh, <laughs> Cinema. So, you don't have to go to an AMC theater. That's fine if you don't. But, uh, uh, but you know, wherever, wherever you, whatever you have. You got, go listen you got, to like, Nicole Kidman give you an epic speech about AMC theaters. Yeah, and you can find that on on YouTube if you're not going to go to an AMC. Because I recommend you. You probably want to see that before you get in there anyway. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's what I would recommend. And uh, what I would recommend for us to do is to get the hell out of here. So, for uh, for myself, Andy, and uh, for Megan and Jenny, this has been the Elite Beat. E Elite Beat. E E Elite Beat.